in a recent study, um, Frontiers of uh, uh, Immunology, 2018, like a year or two ago, just found that females develop a more intense cellular uh, response to viral infections and vaccinations compared to males. We're just now finding this out, like just now, like that blows my mind. Like, why are we just now finding this out? And then they also found out, this was in 2015 or 2016, a study confirmed that estrogen compounds from female cells reduced the replication of a virus, but estrogen compounds from male cells did not. That's very interesting. So that poses the question of, of pharmaceuticals and vaccinations like how are we dosing women versus men? So are we overdosing or underdosing women in certain medications and vaccinations? And how is that affecting women's health? Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, Paul is talking with the creator of the Czech Institute's newest course, Sarah Gustafsson. Sarah is a Czech practitioner based in Austin, Texas, with nearly two decades of training in women's orthopedic health and exercise, corrective exercise kinesiology, integrated movement practice, holistic nutrition, holistic lifestyle coaching, and art therapy. She regularly lectures at conferences and universities, writes articles, and has most recently created the course Holistic Health and Performance for Women for the Czech Institute. Hi, everybody. I am super excited to share my interview with Sarah Gustafson. She's an HLC3 practitioner. She's an awesome individual. She's got a lot of knowledge about women and life in general. But we just released a new course with her through the Czech Institute called Holistic Health and Performance for Women. And let me tell you, this is a deep, juicy interview I was blown away at the statistics that Sarah brought up from all the research she's done, and you will be mind-boggled when you see how biased the research is toward men. I mean, I'm a man, but I was just embarrassed listening to all these statistics she shared, and she is just a wealth of knowledge about all sorts of unique things that we all need to know if we're in a relationship with a woman, which most of us are. If we coach women, if we're a therapist or a doctor, and we get into everything from the psychological differences to archetypes to exercise uh, considerations, such as how much cardiovascular uh, exercise is beneficial, the effects of weightlifting versus cardio. We talk about some of the political issues, the religious issues that challenge women. I cannot tell you this was a mind-blowing interview and I even learned quite a lot myself. So thank you, Sarah. I really, really think you're going to be blown away by this interview and I hope you're excited to do her course that's available online through the Czech Institute titled Holistic Health and Performance for Women. So let's get into it. Enjoy the wise and very, very impressive Sarah Gustafson. Well, welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. I am so excited. Today I have an awesome guest for you who is extremely knowledgeable, has a tremendous amount of life experience, and has produced an amazing course through the Czech Institute and has 
courses and offerings of her own, Sarah Gustafson. Sarah, welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to share. Well, the title of your new course, which I was absolutely blown away with, is Holistic Health and Performance for Women. And you and I both know from lots of years of coaching and being therapists that uh, there's a lot of confusion about the difference between men and women. And women um, are often handled as though they're little boys with boobies by strength coaches and uh, trainers and <laughs> and uh you know, often, um, even in the medical system, they're not given the specific attention they need as women. So what I'd like to do with, is begin a, with a little background on you so people have an understanding of your own life experience, the challenges that you've worked through, which, you know, I've been involved, for those of you listening, I've coached Sarah and her partner, Alex. Sarah is an HLC three, and I believe you took HLC two and three with me. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. So you're one of the few Czech professionals out there that got a lot of training from me because, you know, as you know, there's uh, at one time we had twenty or twenty one instructors traveling the world, and I think we have thirteen right now. So a lot of people make it all the way to level four before they actually see me. And uh, you are one of the ones that got to work with me directly, and. Um, so it's really lovely to see you growing so much and applying all your uh, check training and other training in your practice with your clients and offering such beautiful programs to the world. I know uh, you teach in other locations as well. So I'd love to hear uh, about your experiences, the challenges you worked through, and what ultimately gave you the wisdom from your own life experience that made you realize this course was so needed. Yeah. Um, you know, it would take up so much time to really truly review all of my development, you know, as my soul chose one hell of a path, this go round. It did. <laughs> it sure <laughs> as you had mentioned before, you know, I've had many series of fire walks, um, but I would say ultimately it wasn't until I was about, 25 years old when I was diagnosed with uh, fibromyalgia um, when I began my journey uh, because I had just been uh, inundated with so many trials of Western medicine from the age of seven until 25. And at that point, I was on 12 uh, medication, prescription medications, and I was working in a venture capital firm in D.C. 10 hours a day with a commute and a newborn baby. And I remember just thinking, you know, I, I'm too young to to be this old. You know, I was spending all my time with, with specialists in physical therapy and commuting. And, you know, I had done so much to accumulate a good amount of success at a young age and, and wealth and, you know, having a baby. I married young. Um, but I had everything what you would say or, and, and think on, on appearances as a successful person at a young age. But, um, you know, I played the role of and was seen as a self-assured, driven, ambitious, confident, free-spirited woman. But I always felt stuck in this posture of a scared and insecure conformist people pleaser child that would basically freeze into rigor mortis when certain, you know, 
melodies of the past threats or traumas would play out and the flow of consciousness was therefore just frozen and that mirrored itself in my physical body when I would you know start to experience all this pain that just could not be explained by doctors and could not be subdued by any kind of medication and by the time I was on my 12th prescription medication I, I was not seeing and experiencing life like a 25 year old. And I, I just realized, you know, I need to do this on my own. I need to start researching and, and digging uh, old books and, um, and studies up. And it was when I was able to finally find old, old studies uh, on unexplained pain and uh, freezing of the body uh, basically, it was like the spell of Medusa was what I was feeling um, that I did this on my own. And it was basically the, the, the recipe was what you talk about in eat, move and be healthy. But I hadn't gotten there yet. It was drink water. Right. Don't don't eat like a asshole. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> You mean somebody that just doesn't know any better. <laughs> right, right. You know, and by that time, I had also already been diagnosed with celiac at age 21. So I was already gluten-free, but, you know, gluten-free foods is just, you know, you're. I was eating nothing but carbs. So it was just eat a balanced diet and, and drink lots of water, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, and start... Uh, lifting weights. And in the beginning, that was very difficult and painful for me, but I stuck to it. And I was able to get off all uh, 12 medications um, within a year. I was, that's fantastic. And I was on medications since the age of seven, I started getting migraines, debilitating migraines when I was 10. And so I was able to do that on my own. And I had been seeing doctors and been in and out of the hospital since the age of seven. And so when I was able to do that, just by drinking water, going to sleep and eating healthy, organic food, right? That's when it clicked in my mind. And and so then by the time I had my second kid and so on, and then everybody in my family starts falling ill, I felt like I had a second job. And so I continued school as in my 12th year at university. And I was about to enter the police academy, actually, my second round of a career, when I, you know, decided I'm going to go back, change careers yet again. But every, every university, I looked into the curriculum for nutrition. Um, it, the curriculum just, it was all the same stuff. You know, you know, the story. Yeah. Um, so as I was getting my PT certificate um i was watching a poliquin video on youtube and there's this uh this funny ball guy on the sidebar um and talking about four doctors and it was very similar to basically what i had done to get myself out of fibromyalgia i clicked on your uh your your face and i start watching it and um you and i i think have talked about this it was like i you know i wasn't as developed you know, would you know, almost 15 years ago at that time. And uh, you were saying all the things that I could not argue and no one can. And it was just, it was by far the best information. And I wanted 
to start right away. I'm, I'm looking into the Czech Institute and I'm saying, this is it. This curriculum cannot be argued. This is the best curriculum, the best material and the best content. And I want to do this, but this guy is annoying the hell out of me. I, re- <laughs> I just, I was so triggered. And I remember a mentor of mine, Ken at the time, um, and Fred Hatfield was a mentor of mine through ISSA. He, they said, um, you know, you're thirsty, but you're going to complain about the cup that you're served water in. Are you serious? So they actually encouraged me to continue to uh, dig into your information through the Czech Institute. And I was actually happy when I showed up for HLC1 and you weren't there. <laughs> but then HLC2, you're there. And, um, oh, man, that was that was a tough, tough week. And then HLC3, um, you know, I showed up. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I thought he wasn't teaching. <laughs> And I was unlike most students uh, where I tried very hard to just avoid you. I just um, put my nose down, do my work. But uh, it was when you, uh, HLC3, actually, um, I'm trying to kind of avoid and and keep to myself. You actually walked out of the lunch line, came over, whispered in my ear and said, you know, I'm proud of you. Keep going. And um, I did. I'm going to choke up and cry here. Because uh, my firewalks, they, they kept coming. They really did. And they, they are truly gifts um, that I've chosen. I've, I've chosen these difficult journeys uh, because if, if I, I can't help women, this was the path that I, I've chosen to help women heal and get through some of the most difficult things we do have to get through and overcome. And um, how can I do that if I don't understand? Yeah. And uh, pain is, um, it's, it is, it's painful and it's easy to be a victim, but um, I'm so, I feel so blessed to be, to have gone through what I've gone through so that I can hold the hands of many women who are going through the same things because then they can do the same thing. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that about how I triggered you and I've heard it from a lot of, a lot of students. So looking back on it, what was it that was triggering you and was it true? (sighs) Yes. Um, (laughs) The, the, well, so no, it wasn't true. The thing that was triggering me. But at the time, what was triggering me, I just remember thinking, this guy is just so full of himself. I can't listen to him. Um, but it wasn't true. You were, you knew what you were talking about. And you were speaking the truth. And my story that was playing out was, it's not okay to be proud. It's not okay. Uh-huh. You know, you have to be humble. You have to always, you know, in my Christian upbringing, that story is always humility and hold, you know, to withhold that that pride and that self-esteem. Right. Like that's uh, it's it's almost like it's not kind. Yeah. In a way that that's how I was brought up. That's it's. um basically it's cruel and uh, boastful and pride is not an okay thing to display. Um, And so when I, when I would see that it was like, who do you think you are? That's not okay. But now I'm, I've, 
come to understand that that is that is part of the human experience is when you have something to share you should share that that that's your truth that's your authenticity and that when that's part of disease is people repressing yeah their truth and when we get locked up and oh man we could that's a whole other podcast in fact you've touched on that a lot in some of your podcasts and and um that's why i i added a lot of the the portion of archetypes into this uh, course, I think, is very important because I think women uh, suppress and, and repress uh, what is so natural to them. And I think that locks up and blocks a lot of um, the flow of their feminine uh, expression and human experience in them. And that is the beginning and manifestation of disease. Yes. Um, I only asked you because, one, I think it's important for the listeners to know that oftentimes your first impressions are based on your projections and your unhealed pain. And oftentimes people uh, end up avoiding relationships that could ultimately be very rewarding and healing for them because of their own projections. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, the truth is, is that. I speak about these things with confidence because I have rehabilitated thousands and thousands of people, as you know, from all sorts of things. So um, I don't have any question in my mind as to whether or not what I'm teaching is true. And, and because what I'm teaching is foundation principles, like you said, it's hard to argue with you know, nutrition, hydration, sleep, breathing, thinking, movement, and four doctors. And if a person doesn't have that in place, they'll spend the rest of their life in the medical system and on pills and having organs cut out and all sorts of other things. And for all the reasons you've developed this course, women are far more susceptible to these kinds of challenges than men are because their physiology is much more tightly regulated due to the fact that they're designed to bring uh, a child into the world. So they have to be um, tight enough, well enough regulated to handle two bodies within one, which a man does yeah. not have to do. So, you know, it's sort of a, interesting thing but i think you know when you and i started coaching together uh, i i have to share this because it's just uh, i think it's an important story to share it's quite it was quite funny for me but i remember <laughs> after a session or two you wrote me an email a long email and said you know you don't have to tell me about all this basic stuff i've already studied it all i'm in hlc3 let's focus on the deeper stuff and i wrote back to you and said Something like, yeah, just because you can say the words doesn't mean that you're actually doing it. <laughs> knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. And <laughs> I'm coaching you to get past the idea into the actual practice so that it's part of your daily life. And that was the transition that we had to get through because we're in a culture where people think just because they can read it off of a piece of paper or memorize the idea that they're actually doing it. And that is a very, very dangerous kind of knowledge, isn't it? I remember that. Yes, I do. I, it's, you know, it's just, it is a, a dangerous kind of knowledge. It's just, it's just like religion, just regurgitating the same things over and over again. But what does it mean if you're not actually integrating and living that every single day? Um, and yes. uh, you're just, you're just regurgitating some words, you know, on a, a certain day of the week and then going home and going back to whatever you're not 
really, how is that? How are you applying that every single day and every right. moment of your life? Um, I tell all my clients, your body never lies. There's a reason you've reached out to me for help. And and so I'm just proud of you for doing the work and coming to realize that I was not doing anything but sharing things that I knew from clinical experience to be true. And uh, I think part of the challenge is, is that you and I have very similar personalities. We're both fiery people. And, <laughs> Uh, when when we meet people that are very much like ourselves, oftentimes we um, avoid the mirror. It's funny because, <laughs> you know, if 10 years ago you would or anybody would have told me this is where I was going to be. I would have absolutely fallen over in my chair laughing because but now I, I that's I, I instruct and teach and speak just very similar to you. And um, I I certainly trigger people probably the same way you triggered me, which is just so. so funny and very ironic. Well, you know, because I'm very certain about what I'm what I'm sharing and what I'm I'm teaching. Well, there's nothing like results to give you confidence, you know, and um Yeah. Hello everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast with Sarah Gustafson today. It's amazing to me all the things that there is to know to really understand and work with, coach, be a therapist or conditioning specialist for women. And nobody's looked into it deeper than Sarah Gustafson. But you will hear us talk about the importance of food and key diet lifestyle factors like I teach at the Czech Institute. And right in the middle of all that is what we eat. And there's no better place to get high quality, easy to prepare food for those of you that are on the run with busy schedules or have kids that you want to give something quick to that really is loaded with nutrition than the Organifi products. If you go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, you can check out their products. They've got an amazing line of juices, probiotics, protein powders, and all sorts of things that are truly certified organic. And I really love their products. In fact, if you haven't listened to my interview with the founder of Organifi, Drew Canoli, it's worth listening to. It's episode 64. I think when you meet Drew, hear the values that he lives and how inspirational he is, you will realize that the man behind the products is real and the products must be that real. In fact, I know they're real because I wouldn't even waste my time or years telling you about them if I didn't think they were excellent. You can get a discount when you check out by going to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and at checkout, use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's check 20. And check out Drew Canoli, episode 64. Hope you love the products as much as I do, and I hope you love the interview as much as I did too. Take care. One of the things you touched on just a second ago, which I'd love to have you expand on, is I when I look through your new course, I, which I was very impressed with, which is why I wanted to talk to you about it, um, I've never seen a course for women ever that has archetypes for women in it. Mm-hmm. And you have this beautiful archetype wheel with the wild woman, the maiden, the nurturer, and the wise woman. Mm-hmm. I'd love it for the for everybody listening. And believe me, this interview, even if you're a man, there's a lot in here for you because there's no man in the world that doesn't have a relationship with a woman. We all mm-hmm. came here by the grace of a woman. So 
Could you share your working definition of an archetype and give us an overview of each of these archetypes and their relevance to a woman's life and awareness? And one of the things I was curious uh, about, too, when you get to a chance to expand on is do you use them as a to represent a cycle of growth and conscious development as I do in my model of the child warrior, king, queen and wise man or woman? Or are they? expression of, of aspects of a woman's psyche that are at play all the time uh, as opposed to a developmental wheel. Right. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, going to what you had first said, yes, uh, it would be this, this course is, is ex- equally beneficial for men as it is for women. Um, especially if you, you are coaching women, working with women in a relationship with the women, basically if you are a man, this is equally beneficial for you. Um, and, and so I didn't write this just for women um, uh, because the information in this course is going to blow anybody's mind, um, and, but it will empower any woman. Um, and in terms of the archetypes, so for this course specifically, this these archetypes um, uh, are representative of a woman's psyche at play at all times, um, as a woman. Um, now if we were thinking of a development of, from child to woman, um, there would be a, an order of these. So maiden to wild woman to, you know, nurture wise woman there, there would be, there could be a developmental order, but for this course, these are feminine expressions of a woman's psyche at play at all times. Um, however, I, I do see that in most women, um, they're not in touch with them at all times. Um, yes. usually it's either none of them or maybe just one is dominating, um, and that can create an imbalance. And so, um, you know, I, I, I feel that these are, you know, I, I tie them into the woman's hormone cycle because these archetypes can be triggered too, uh, to, to emerge by certain elevations or depressions of specific hormones, like spikes in testosterone mid cycle can reveal the wild woman, you know, to emerge, for example. And, um, you know, the, you know, the development of, um, you know, when progesterone is at peak can really, and, and estrogen and testosterone are more suppressed can show more the softer, free-spirited maiden. And so that's why I, I put the archetypes into the cycle as well, because that can create not only body awareness, but awareness with the psyche and psychological, emotional, and physiological, and you can create a harmony of that. And um, so, you know, it's important for women to understand these main archetypes, you know, even if they identify with other more specific ones like businesswoman or athlete, because they're all guideposts to the feminine psyche. And for women to become balanced and harmonized with their feminine selves, they must reacquaint themselves with the maiden, the wild woman, the mother, the wise woman. And some have never met the wise woman. And now is a good time to ring her up. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes the wild woman needs to call on the maiden to find balance or the mother needs the wise woman and so on. And and knowing these is like having your own women's circle right there at your disposal anytime you need to access it. Just just so that people that are listening can be clear on what we're talking about in case they don't understand what an archetype is. Could you 
give us a little encapsulation of how you're using that term so everybody's on the same page? Yeah, you know, um, there are symbols like characters, subconscious personalities that are, you know, at play in the collective unconscious that carry us, that, that give us the drive or ambition. They influence our thoughts and behaviors, our actions, even our emotions. You know, these stories are always developing these forces in us internally, unconsciously. They motivate us. They frustrate us. They teach us about how we fit in um, to society or the world around us. And, and they teach us how the world sees us. Um, a woman will identify with certain archetypes for herself, um, such as student or athlete, for instance. Um, uh, however, you know, most women will identify with a few key archetypes, if not all of them of these four main ones. And so, right. um, these really just embody the essence of feminine energy, um, in their, in their truest forms. And, um, yes. And so they're aspects of, of womanhood. Correct. Yes. Could you just, uh, for everybody give us a little encapsulation of each of your four key archetypes, wild woman, maiden, nurturer, and wise woman. Yeah. Yeah. So maiden, um, she is pure and innocent, confident. Um, she's confident to express herself and reveal her femininity often seen as vain or selfish because she prioritizes self care and self love. She's the free spirit, right? Dancing in a field of flowers wears dresses, lets her hair down. Um, she's very soft. Uh, the wild woman is, um, she's the warrior and she's got some fierce, focused ambition. She's very protective of her boundaries and she's not afraid to let you know it. She's competitive. Uh, she's like the athlete. Uh, she's sometimes playful. She has a lot of sexual energy. She's got drive and she can be destructive uh, when she's in her shadow. Uh, the mother or the nurturer, uh, we all have that. She's a creator, a protector, and a guide of all that she gives birth to, right? Or creates, whether that is a child, uh, education, a home, business, relationships, her environment, or herself. Because she can create herself, uh, her health, her body, her mind, her soul, her heart. She is the creator of all of those things, and she is the mother of that, and she will nurture that. Um, she, can I just interject? It seems that the nurture is, is really lacking in a lot of women today. They seem to be mm -hmm. so uh, – they've adapted so much to patriarchal influence and tried to fit into the masculine world. You know, yeah. I would say that most of the women I've had to rehabilitate, be they athletes, mothers, or businesswomen, Mm -hmm. are really detached from that aspect of their psyche and their and their own self as a woman. Yes, even even the ones who are mothers. Yes, they're 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 often mothers while being legal assistants or uh you know running businesses or you know they're they're living the 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 life of a man mm -hmm. 8 hours a day and then they try to switch to the role of a mother and I don't think it's really realistic for a woman to stay healthy and be a man and a woman at the same time. Yeah. You met me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I not only met you, I coached you yeah. for years. <laughs> yeah. I was the project. Um, yeah. Uh, You're a project nurturer. Yep. Yeah, I sure was. And, um, 
Yeah, and that so that is an important one, an important archetype to address because a lot of women who even are mothers don't understand how detached they are from that. And then there are women who don't have children who don't think they need to identify with that one. Um, and then there's the wise woman, and she's the one who's the experienced one. Uh, she's equipped with the patience and the wisdom who, who can assist um, and guide you through transformation. She helps you grow and she helps you heal, right? So she's, um, you know, she's the the uh, the counselor and the advisor, right? The the lady in a rocking chair who's giving you advice and um, you know getting you through a difficult time, and uh, you you call on her when you need to go through a painful process because she's got the answers. Right. Out of out of curiosity and just for fun, mm-hmm. can you can you think of one or two well known females in the public? Uh, sphere, be they actresses, movie stars, musicians, athletes. Um, could you give us a name or two that you think fit each of those archetypes as they express themselves to our knowledge? Um, Marion Woodman would be a wise woman to me. Okay. Absolutely. She's a, for those who don't know who she is, she's a, an amazing author who, um, uh, if you want to learn more about archetypes and femininity, um, check out her books. She, she passed recently, I believe, but she was a pioneer in, um, in discussing femininity and and masculine women. Um, she would be my wise woman, um, mother nurture. I'm not really, uh, privy on celebrities though, but, um, let's see wild woman. Uh, I'm just not good with celebrities and stuff like that. Wild woman. Hmm. Well, I know Madonna was a, was a wild woman. A lot of the female yeah. kind of stars, you know, Christina yeah. Aguilera. Miley uh, Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Yeah, there you go. Wild, That's a good one. A wild yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a maiden would be like, um, you know, well, Sleeping Beauty would be a maiden. Well, there you go. Very pure, innocent, um, and a a mother archetype, nurturer archetype. You know, have you studied any of Dr. Christina Northrup's work? No. Oh, I may may have. I don't know. Yeah, she's quite a famous female medical doctor out there. Um, she, She seems to be like the nurturer type. And then um, where would you, I, I, I don't know about you, but I would put, um, um, let's see, uh, I'm trying to, I'm brain farting on her name, you know, um, I'll think of it and I'll tell you, but uh, I'm just brain farting right now. Uh, it's uh, anyhow, but there, there, there are a few wise women out there, you know, some of them that I refer to, most people wouldn't know, like. Angeles Arian, for example, mm. and and uh, Sandra Ingerman yeah. or Tammy Tammy Simon, the founder of Sounds True, is a real wise woman. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, that's 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 good, and I, I really like that you're including that because these are, you know, ultimately when I've worked with women with health problems, which is frequently, inevitably there's 
parts of themselves, which are easily found in these archetypes that they're not accessing, or as you know, they're very, very trapped in. For example, I've worked with many female athletes that are dangerously trapped in the wild woman. Yes. But very, very unattached of the nurturer or the wise woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, in your model of the um, four channels of influence in women's health and performance, uh, can you give us an explanation of, of each and their consequences of uh, the consequences of women being unconscious of the influence of these channels? So maybe you can describe the four channels mm -hmm. of influence and then um, give some examples. Yeah. Well, okay. So like I said, you know, how the archetypes will influence our thoughts, behaviors, actions. So do um, these four channels of influence, which are our occupation, our environment, our social and our finances. Those will unconsciously inf influence us as well. And these are external, like these are lifestyle influences. And, you know, we're not always conscious of these things either, but these are things also that we can control um, and but they're going to have a lot a lot of impact on us as well so occupational influence is what we do for a living and you talk a lot about this in terms of our dream what is your dream and a lot of us are not living our dream we're not pursuing it often because we don't really know what what it is and we don't put a lot of, um, you know, thought into what is our dream. We just are are getting up every morning and driving and sitting in traffic and dreading that Monday morning, and then every single day just dying for the weekend, really, or or living for the weekend. Either way, however you want to look for look at it. And just taking jobs because it has health insurance or, you know, it pays the bills. And that that can influence us because we're not happy. We don't we're not happy with what we're doing. It doesn't satisfy us. And so the question is, is she satisfied with her job or her occupation? Does she get um, does she feel valued with what she does? So whether it's. You know, if her occupation is being a mother at home, does she feel valued? Um, or is her occupation a student? Is is she studying what she wants to study, or is she or is she studying what she feels her family wants her to study, or her parents want her to study? And does she feel like um, she's going to school and majoring in the thing that her parents want her to major in because that's the only way they'll pay for school? Um, that can truly affect um, somebody's spirit um, and that, if that's not what their dream is um, and does it fulfill them. And, and this, this leads to a lot of relationship dynamics, as you've alluded to, mm -hmm. often starting right in childhood with parental influences and pleasing mommy and daddy or even religious influence. And it also often relates to the relationship with their spouse. Yeah. And whether or not he's carrying his share of the load. I've seen many women in trouble because they're actually the breadwinners and their partner's just not pulling his socks up in the morning. So, um, you know, I know you know this, but for those listening, 
when a woman has health problems and they go into coaching with a Czech holistic, holistic lifestyle coach or myself or someone like you, we often have to look at relationship dynamics to find out why it is that a woman has convinced herself that she can't live her dream or hasn't even taken the time to get inside of herself to really explore what is fulfilling for her. And one of the things that you haven't mentioned that I'd like to interject is that when a woman's living to make money and doing what she thinks she has to do to survive, she often finds herself without a sense of meaning. She may have love for her children and know that she has to help you know, pay the bills just to survive. But when a woman puts herself in that position where her work is not fulfilling, then there's really no sense of meaning. It's just like you're caught on a treadmill. And what I've seen repeatedly is that leads to a lot of coping mechanisms, which become addictions, whether they be food addictions, alcohol addictions, uh, exercise addictions, television addictions. Uh, you know, what's your observation in that regard? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there are a lot of drugs that people become addicted to. Um, that, like me, for instance, my drug was information. <laughs> and oh. You you made me go on an information fast, as you remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, that you know, if it doesn't fulfill her, then you're right. They get to what meaning, right? And she may convince herself that being a provider is the meaning of her life. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying Holistic Health and Performance for Women with Sarah Gustafson. She's an amazing woman, and wow, what an amazing podcast I've had with her. And while I'm thinking about it, I really want to take advantage of the opportunity to let you know that you can help decrease inflammation in your body, and particularly if you're listening to this podcast and you're a woman, and you want to enhance your overall uh, well-being and improve your digestion, your elimination, and your metabolism, then there's no better products than Bioptimizers. That's capital B-I, capital O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S. But if you go to Bioptimizers.com, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com, forward slash number four, capital D, capital L, you can get a 27% discount on the upgraded digestion package, which I use every day myself. As you'll hear, women are quite hot. They run hot. They also have a higher incidence of autoimmune disease and many other diseases. This interview was really quite mind-blowing for me. But one of the things I can tell you for sure having worked with many elite female athletes and females of all ages and size, that there is a lot that can be done to help women by improving digestion elimination and detoxification. And Bioptimizers has excellent products that will do just that for you. Living 4D listeners get a 27% discount on their upgraded digestion package consisting of four Bioptimizers products, all of which I use myself. Go to bioptimizers.com, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com, forward slash number four, capital D, capital L, and on checkout, use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 10. And if you haven't listened to my episode number 55 with Wade Lightheart, co-founder of Bioptimizers, we get into digestion, into enzymes. 
probiotics, and all sorts of ways you can enhance your well-being. And Wade will bring you right up to date on the science that they use to produce these amazing enzymes. So enjoy the show with Sarah Gustafson, Total Holistic Health and Performance for Women, and enjoy optimizing your digestion, your metabolism, your elimination, and even their products for killing parasites at Bioptimizers. Enjoy. There is an interesting um, quote. There's a, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call anybody out, but um, there's a woman, a very, um, very right wing conservative woman who uh, teaches, I should say, these uh, uh, other women of this religion, how to be a better Christian wife. And one of those things was, you know, to, to sacrifice what you believe you need to do for meaning in your life so that your husband can fulfill his meaning. It was literally the, that was her quote and she posted it on Instagram and it had like a million likes. And so this is still going on. It's obviously still a big issue as a women believe that their meaning is in life is to provide meaning for their families, well, to sacrifice their meaning, to provide others meaning. Yes, whenever you sacrifice your meaning, you sacrifice your connection to spirit, to life force, yes. to the flow, to connection to the universe, to reaching beyond yourself for relationships that support you in the experience of meaning. Meaning is like flipping a light switch. If you don't uh, close the circuit, then the lights won't come on. So if a person has no sense of meaning, their energy gets blocked. They can only do what they're doing for so long before it actually becomes a form of daily dread. And then they have to um, do all sorts of internal strategies to avoid expressing their resent toward the people that they love and often are unconscious of the fact that they're resentful of the choices that they've made or not being brave enough to go out and pursue something that does give them that sense of connection and flow, which mm-hmm. is really meaning. Right. Yeah. And it's sad that we still have people even saying things like that, which is, you know, once again, a throwback from, uh, you know, a 2000 year old mythology that's, extremely male dominant and unhealthy. And, you know, for me, I I couldn't imagine what it would be like if Angie or Penny had no sense of meaning in their work or in their life. I I just know that I know the Czech Institute wouldn't function. It wouldn't even exist because there's no way that two key women in my life could, could do the amount of work they do and share as much love as they do with me, our kids, and the world, if they didn't have a sense of meaning, they would just be hospital statistics, like a lot of women are today. Right. Yeah. And they're both such inspiring women. I don't know (laughs) uh, where I would gain my inspiration without them. And so how many stories would be lost in in the garbage without that, you know, if, if that continued and continued. So that's occupational, right? That's just one. And, and so you, you must be working with women that because you coach a, a lot of women and, and you, you do a lot of speaking to women. Do you spend time specifically working with them? Because that's a huge transition, you know, and that goes right back to our initial conversation of you feeling triggered by me because a lot of women 
are actually afraid to stick to say what they really need to their husband or yeah they're afraid they're afraid that that if they leave their job to do something that really is heart filling and meaningful to them that they may not be able to make enough money or uh, I've I've worked with many women with very serious diseases often breast cancer who have been very unfulfilled in their marriages for oftentimes since <laughs> I had one woman that was married for 36 years and I said to her when were you when did you realize that you're were married to the wrong person and she looked at me and she started to cry she says the day I got married <laughs> I said well you're three kids and 35 years down the mm-hmm. line why do you keep doing it? And, you know, basically her reasons were till death do you part. Uh, My husband and I are Christians and I made a promise to him and I've got to fulfill it. And I'm saying to her, yes, but here you are on the edge of death. And are you really fulfilling your promise by dying? Or wouldn't it be better to trust that if God is love, that you should be doing what you love to do so that God could flow through you instead of just being something you read about in a book. Yeah, on I mean, I had a similar story, the same thing. And you would think that I'm, a, you know, I, again, I played the role as a very driven, ambitious, confident person, but a, a woman. But again, I froze. I absolutely froze when events and, and things would would play out threats of the past. and And I chose a partner that was that did that very well. And um, it took a long time for me to figure that out. Uh, even though very similar, I knew I chose the wrong partner very, very early on. And um, I work with women on that too. And so the only thing I can do is, and, and one of the most powerful things that does help me in helping women change is asking the question is, what's going to happen if you don't? Yes. What, what will happen if you don't change? Because when we're not aware of what we're feeling, the body is going to exaggerate it and it's yes. going to continue to exaggerate it. So what's next in line if you're coming to me with this problem? You yeah. Know, and what what next? And then after that, what next? And then well, after you know, that. What happens, as you know, um, sorry for interjecting, but I think it's it's appropriate for me to interject because I I have seen this and I know you've seen it plenty of times. Uh, The same woman that keeps telling herself she's got to keep doing this to make money for the family doesn't take but a few years playing that game. It might be five years. It might be seven. It might be 10. But she'll find herself in a situation where her medical bills, even with medical insurance, have gotten to the point where they're now struggling to survive and pay the mortgage. And so now the whole justification for that path has actually turned out to be the devil metaphor. Right. Well, or she's to the point where she can't work. And here are some statistics. Women are more likely to take more days off from work to care for their elderly parents or family members or children or take maternity leave. And furthermore, women are more likely to miss more work to manage personal or domestic issues or health needs of their partners. And therefore, when their own health is at stake, they won't call in sick. And so when you have things like, um, you know, another another thing here is um, when asked if an, uh, a health condition or an injury affects their ability to do their job, 39% of men say they will report it versus only 16% of women. 
said they'd report it. Yes. So eventually that, that candle's going to burn out. Um, it does. Yeah. And it does. And it often, you know, oftentimes this is what it looks like. They're going along and everything's sort of the status quo. They go in for a routine health checkup and all of a sudden the doctor finds a malignant tumor, be it in a breast or a brain or the bones. And I've seen a lot of these cases and then they come to me and they go, I don't know what happened. I was doing just fine. But once I start breaking their case down and looking into the issues we're talking about, I find out they have not been doing fine internally, often for 20 years or longer. Right. Yeah. Well, and like I see, you know, if you're not aware of what you're feeling, the body's going to exaggerate, exaggerate it. And so, you know, like breast cancer, uh, you know, in that area of the body, that's a conflict of worthiness, denying individual worth. You know, you feel conflict in nurturing ability and not nurturing yourself. That's disconnect from the mother archetype. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of that. In fact, I've never dealt with a case of breast cancer where I didn't find religious beliefs right behind the ideology for for which they were um, putting themselves second or third or last all the mm -hmm. time. Um, so that that these kinds of psychological issues are are very very real in fact i'm working on a very potent podcast called is your religion mentally healthy and it's actually the first podcast i'm going to produce a audible audio download course so people can do some healing work on because i have found that these religious ideas are at the uh, root of so much disease it's mind-boggling and Many people get upset at me for talking about this in my courses because they've got all this religious programming, so they, they kind of feel repelled by it. But I'm telling, look, I, I am a professional therapist who've helped countless people heal from very serious challenges. And when you have the skills to really get to the root of the problem, you are going to find that the childhood that a person lived through has the greatest influence on how they manage themselves as an adult, not their finances, not their relationship. Those things are all symptoms of the way they were programmed. And so I bring this up because it's true, but it also, I bring it up to make a point that sometimes it's not as easy as just giving people good diet and lifestyle advice because their internal belief systems, most of which are unconscious, are the very blocking factors that lead them to not following that advice because if they do, it's often perceived as putting themselves mm -hmm. first. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, again, occupational satisfaction. And it, not only are you do, are you pursuing and, and following your dream and, and doing something that is, you know, meaningful and provides meaning to your life, but, you know, is it in, are you in alignment with that? Are you doing that for you? Or, again, looking at relationships in, in one's life, it, not everybody can just drop what they're doing and just do that. But if what you're doing, if your job is not your, your dream job, but if that's supporting you to get you to your dream, that's a different story. Um, as we were saying before that I can support that, but I have worked with women. I've, I can count almost, uh, almost on two full hands. I've had seven women. Now I've had them quit their jobs because I was able to show them how this is killing them. One of them, they worked for a pharmaceutical company. And I was able to show them how 
yes. absolutely out of alignment they were with their values and what that was doing to their health. Um, because this is here that I have all these values. This is what I believe in. And um, okay, but this is what my job is. And this is what that's doing to society. And I'm, I'm making money for them. And so that's how to, the, as you call it, the crooked path. And if you're supporting that. So that's yeah. another thing that's influencing a woman's health and her performance. And if, um, if she's unhappy, I mean, how happy is she going to be? How motivated is she going to be to uh, eat right, to go to sleep, to cut out caffeine, to cut out alcohol, to uh, exercise right, right? Like how motivated is she going to be to not um, be running and doing cardio nonstop because she's so addicted to adrenaline in her life, you know, so yeah. that's what these influencers are all about. These four channels of influence, the other three environment, social and financial. If, if they're not in alignment and, and, you know, they're not influencing her in a positive way, then they will affect whether or not, you know, she's, you know, they will influence whether or not she will, you know, eat right and drink, you know, responsibly water versus alcohol and caffeine or, you know, cut all the bad habits and get to bed on time. So, I mean, they're very important, like environment. Does it, does it support her health? Um, and, you know, EMF exposure all over the house, or is it stimulating and pleasant uh, to all of her senses? Uh, or is it dark and gloomy and uh, just support the depressive state that she's in? Um, you know, you, you, or or is it is it a house full of junk food, right? Like that's the environment you got to understand. Like what are her goals and what is what are her ambitions? She needs an environment that supports that. And if she needs to detox, you need to get all the toxins and toxic crap out of her environment. And social that's that's family. Those are love relationships, intimate relationships, and friendships. Um, you know, if you need to cut out alcohol and um, break some bad habits then it, that's a very important thing to look at in a woman woman's life. Um, as a coach, as a therapist, as a practitioner, any kind of provider or, or even partner or friend in a, in a woman's life, uh, looking at her social uh, lifestyle and, and relationships that she's in, if uh, the family is not supportive or the partner is not supportive or friends are not supportive, that will greatly influence a woman and uh, her goals and ambitions. And financial and occupation, those kind of go together. Because if she feels like she has to do something she doesn't love or enjoy uh, for the sake of making money or insurance or whatever, um, that will greatly influence her and continue down this path of not doing something she's passionate about or, or love doing that supports her dream. You know, listening to you, and, and of course, I understand all this because like you, I do this for a living, but if I... <laughs> If I pretended I was a woman listening to this, what rises up in me is, oh, my God, I've got challenges in all four of those categories. Where the hell do I even begin? So how do you how do you sort of lay out a, a cookie trail or a crumb trail for women who are so out of balance and potentially in all four of those categories that they don't just feel completely, utterly overwhelmed and want to just collapse on the floor, <laughs> cry and give up? I mean, yeah, you can't just cut everybody out of your life 
and, you know, say bye and, and, you know, go cry in, in a corner in your room and, and say, I guess I'm doing this alone, right? Like you, you have to at least say, do you have one supportive person in your life? And that's your, that's your person. And, and sometimes that's me. I, I'm their supportive person. And I say, yes, I got your back. I'm your person. Yes. And you call me if you need something. Um, and if you, you need support and, you know, you've got a family member or a spouse that's saying no, um, you know, or giving you a hard time about making any of, any of these changes, then yeah, I'm, I'm your coach. I'm your supportive person. I can help you, um, to have a response or a healthy response to that. Um, and you know, sometimes that's, that's it, that I'm their person, but Sometimes there is another one person, you know, a friend who's willing to walk the journey with them um, or a spouse. And the other thing is, too, is um, I, I refer my clients a lot to your PPS lessons. Those are gold right there. Like, you know, you don't want to waste a bunch of hours and pay a bunch of money with me. PPS lesson number one, like just do that. It's, it's amazing. Your values, your legacy yeah. right there, like go through it because get real clear on that. What are your values? What do you want to spend time on? What kind of people do you want in your life? Um, what do you need to be healthy? How much, you know, time do you need to, to devote to exercise? What kind of exercise? How many hours in a day or in a week, like really getting clear on all of that. And I go through that also in my course. Um, it, it's just getting very clear and creating a map for that because sometimes it is very overwhelming for women um, when they go through these four influencers and realize um, I'm fucked. I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm screwed. You know, I give up because it, it, it is, it's overwhelming, but there, there, there is a way to create, you know, basically a, a, a journal of that can map a plan for you. But first thing is getting clear on what you value and your core values and understanding like what, what you value, what are your goals and what is your dream? Because if you have a dream, then bam, you're going to be motivated to uh, start clearing out some of the weeds in your life. Well, I tell people all the time, a labor of love is sustainable. Yeah. Anything else is not sustainable. You just, you know, your soul will allow you to take responsibility for what you're creating with the choices you're making. And if that means uh, a serious disease or uh, a major life crisis, if that's the only way the soul can awaken you to really becoming who you came to the world to be, then it will you know, take the ride with you, but you know, our souls are not afraid of death. So, um, yeah. one of the things that I do to help, uh, women and, and anybody, cause this is, you know, these kinds, I could do a course uh, that parallels this for men because they certainly have their own problems that, uh, uh, you know, are just as big as women's and just as many imbalances, but it's just the other side of the coin, so to speak. But what I do when I have cases like that, as I list all the things that they could do. So for example, if it's the first month, I say, here is a list of 14 or 16 things that can help you increase your life force, bring your body into harmony, bring mental clarity, 
give you the energy to make the changes and just feel better, mm -hmm. choose any one of them or two of them. Just take anything off the list that you're willing to do and able to do and just start there. Even if it's just more drinking, uh, drinking more water or just getting to bed a little earlier. And I find that if I give it to them with that strategy, as opposed to saying, you've got to do this or else, then they get a taste and they find that just the littlest things can make amazingly large differences. And naturally they said, well, what would happen if I did more of this or all of these things? And then I found that um, they're more likely to stick with the program. Yeah. yeah. And we have, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times we've had Alex, Alex and I have had clients come in and we, we screen a lot of our clients, you know, all these intakes, cause you know how, how many forms you got to fill out. And, um, we'll, one of the first questions we asked, do you have mercury in your mouth? And we'll tell them that's yes. number one, go do that. Uh, if you're going to spend any money before you spend any money on us, cause it can cost a lot of money to work with us before you spend any money, go take that out. Um, because that's going to make the biggest difference right there. That's going to make a world of difference because we've got, you know, I, I have a 12 page packet that I give clients on the dangers of mercury. And if you've got them in your mouth every single time you chew, uh, or salivate and swallow, which is a bajillion times a day, you're sending mercury yeah. into your system. And so, um, that's number one. And so there are just such simple things that you can do. Um, and that's not exactly a simple thing, but that's a big thing. So before you spend money on us, go take your mercury out. That's, that's huge. Um, yeah, that's great. That's a good one. So, um, moving forward, uh, in all this is very interesting. You know, I could talk about <laughs> this for days cause it's, I think, I think it's all so important, but that's what your course is for. Um, our next sort of item I want to talk about is that there are many difference between, differences between males and females, and I found that even seasoned healthcare and exercise professionals are often quite unaware of them. So could you give us an overview of some of the key differences between males and females that are important to yeah, know about? And, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I, I'll kind of, you know, open that up a bit and, and give a little hints about how that fits into my course as well, because... Again, like you said, even some of the seasoned uh, professionals and practitioners are unaware of this. I was giving a talk at University of Southern California this past summer, and I had a, a pediatrician. He was in his 80s who had been practicing, he said, for nearly 60 years. Uh, had had since he was I, I can't remember the year he said he had started had his own practice and came up to me and said he had never heard any of this information and I was blown away because here I am for the first time uh, you know I'm uh, you know talking about this research that I had I'd been doing since 2012 and this man has been doing this for decades says he's never heard this and he was absolutely blown away and fascinated. So, and, and I guess, you know, I couldn't be too surprised, but that was, um, it really touched me um, that he said he was so thankful for this. Um, but in my research, I had found that, you know, 
still to this day, uh, women only account for three three percent of all accumulated exercise science research. Seventy five. That's that's not good. <laughs> no, right? You know, I mean, I mean, we we know a good a bit amount, right? But that's we know three percent, and seventy five percent of all pretrials and medical studies use all male subjects, human and animal. And in a 2014 review of studies on female-specific diseases found that only 12% of the studies used female subjects or subjects. And in a paper in 2017 reported that two-thirds of the studies that found using male and female subjects actually included sex-specific data in their findings, despite the fact that the sex-specific data showed differences. So this this is wow. big. And nine out of 95 U.S. medical schools that listed their courses on, on an online database that offered anything that could be described as a women's health course, only two of them were mandatory in the third year. You know what that course was? No. Obstet obstetrics and gynecology. Of course. So here we are at the Czech Institute is the only only place you can really get a women's specific course and it blows my mind i'm i'm the one here that's uh, that that submitted this and that of course i i'm check institute is the only place i would have uh, trusted to to provide that to honestly um so yeah for years and years and still to this day we're we're treating women like just small versions of men and um when i started studying through the check institute you're Again, your course um, was the only one that really differentiated women and men. And you mean equal but not the same? Yes, equal but not the same. And that I really truly appreciated because at that time I was I was training women, and I had a partner, um, not Alex, but this this was years ago at a you know gym in downtown austin and it, he was just no pain no gain kind of a guy and just really pushing women and uh, all the female clients were just getting injured and um this is you know 2012 2011 i really was starting to study this and so my my research began then and that's i love you know just for the record i i really enjoy studying and and research it's it's my passion i love it i love it information but I'm glad you, know, you do <laughs> I love it and and I like picking studies apart and 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 you know really analyzing the information and that's that's how I came about all of this stuff and so what I found is some of the really big differences between men and women is not just you know women have periods right and we tend to be shorter is that um you know we do have narrower shoulders and rib cavities and, uh, you know, smaller waist and core angle, right? But we have a longer torso because we got to make room for babies. Um, we do have smaller joint surfaces and thinner cartilage. Uh, so that does, that does leave us more prone to injury. Um, and we do roughly, in general, this is average, right? We have about 30% smaller type 1 uh, muscle fiber and about 50% smaller type two muscle fiber composition, um, upper lower torso muscle inequalities. Um, and that's due to, you know, wider pelvis and breast, you know, just kind of the postural, 
uh, differences. Um, and, but here's where it gets interesting. It's kind of beyond the musculoskeletal, right? Um, higher levels of estrogen in women, um, is associated with delayed cortisol delivery via the HPA axis and, and, um, response to stress stimuli, which prolongs the stress outcome. Um, which for guys, it's like, you know, ever, ever tell a woman, why can't you just get over it? <laughs> well, here you go. Right. Here you go. Plug this into your memory. Uh, estrogen equals delayed cortisol delivery via the HPA axis in response to stress stimuli. It prolongs the stress outcome. All right. Now think about this. We also, women have somatic differentiations. This goes back to Neanderthal times, right? We are created different somatically um, on purpose because when men would go off to hunt, we are, women are built to store information we are wired this way that means we receive and store more information internally externally uh for longer periods of time that's how we survived when you guys were on gone for long periods of time on the hunt that's why we could perceive threats we're peripheral right we we use all of our senses that's why we have such good memories that's why we can remember what you said august 13th at 7:48 p.m. Um, you know, that's, you know, if you bring something up, you know, we remember what song was playing and what color shirt you were wearing and the, and what's the smell was, um, we're also very emotional, which is why, you know, we may act like our feelings are hurt if you don't remember the same thing, but that's our issue. We need to remember that, you know, we can't expect you to be like us, but anyhow, um, anyhow, so that, that prolongs the stress outcome, the delayed cortisol delivery, it prolongs the stress outcome. So it delays the regulation of the inflammatory responses too. So that leaves women more prone to chronic fatigue, depression, and autoimmune disease. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to get into that with you soon. But one of the things I wanted to share that a lot of people don't realize is <clears throat> research comparing the brains of males and females showed that women have 30% more commissurial fibers, which are connecting fibers between the left and the right brain hemisphere. So they're actually able to, to juggle a hell of a lot more information about their internal and external mm -hmm. environments than men. So, you know, as I tell men, trying to bullshit your wife is a bad idea because she's got a lot more processing power than you do. And even after you've had sex with another woman and taken a shower, she can smell one part per million of that cologne or, or the perfume that that woman was wearing, and she'll smell it on your clothes. I mean, you you know, women are like everything you just said is true, but when you actually look at brain science, there's a lot more traffic integrating the hemispheres than there is in a man. Men are designed for very single-pointed work. Yes. For hunting. Yeah. They can't be distracted. When you're trying to take a an animal down with a spear, you don't get many chances at it. So a man's actually wired to focus on a very specific task and shut out any other information. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm always so very impressed by, you know, women who, who are, you know, like really good at target practice and and those kinds of things. I'm like so, so impressed. 
even this morning, Alex and I were having a discussion and I, I told him the exact same thing. I said, you can't bullshit me. You're, you're bullshitting right now. <laughs> and he was butt hurt for a second, but then he, he finally put his head down and, and was very, you know, humble and showed some humility and gave me a kiss because <laughs> that's a good good idea Alex. (laughs) you know it's i i've in a lot of our conversations you know and we always go back to what would love do right what would love do but if if he's being stubborn you know i have to be a little bit of the wise woman and the wild woman at the same time and say you're bullshitting and i'm not gonna let you bullshit because what would love do right now love would not let you bullshit Love would be honest. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're very good at picking up that that bullshit, and so it that's true, and that's what I was going to get to. That you you segued right into that next one is while men tend to control the one side of the brain at a time, you know, women are usually controlling and managing both sides simultaneously, which is why they have the gift of gab, which I'm amazing at. I really am, and. <laughs> we're better at uh, integrating the emotion while communicating. And um, sometimes when we're in our shadow, we can be quite manipulative, man- manipulative with that. Um, and women, you know, we, I, I, I will be uh, very accountable to, with that because I'm very aware of it. And with women, um, I get real hard with my female clients, uh, not in a mean way. I'm very compassionate and understanding because I've been there. Um, but that's something I bring awareness to is because women unconsciously, uh, sometimes not very aware of it can be manipulative with their emotions. Cause again, they're using both sides of their brain and they know how to communicate very, very well. Um, but mo- most importantly here for the sake of making a point, um, because they use both sides of their brain, they're very good multitaskers. And so when it comes to stress management, this again, leads back to higher levels of cortisol, um, and chronic stress. Um, yeah, because they're, they're, they, they're aware of too many things that could go wrong. Yeah. Yep. And they've got so many tabs open in their brain at, at so many times. And, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD, or ADHD. I don't even remember. It was so long ago in high school. I never took medication for it. I just kind of plowed through all through college. And I was in college 12 years. And, um, you know, I, I created a system and the system was color coded tabs, but it was in my brain and I still have it. I, it's a, it's a pattern. That pattern comes up all the time and, um, some would call it OCD. Um, but it's, it's, it's like this, it's a coping mechanism that I, I created. And so, but that, that creates inflammation because that's chronic stress right there. And women are, are, you know, they deal with it all the time. If you go to back to my first thing, the difference between men and women is that delayed cortisol delivery becomes chronic stress. And, and then that's chronic fatigue, depression, autoimmune disease, and bam, the, you know, there goes my fibromyalgia and celiac disease right there. Um, also, though, we're, we're talking about to a cellular level, men and women are different. And, and even the, the mechanics of the, the, the functions of the heart is different. Uh, you know, in a recent study, um, Frontiers of uh, immunolo- Immunology, 2018, like a year or two ago, just found that females develop a more intense cellular 
uh, response to viral infections and vaccinations compared to males. We're just now finding this out, like just now, like that blows my mind. Like, why are we just now finding this out? And then they also found out, this was in 2015 or 2016, a study confirmed that estrogen compounds from female cells reduced the replication of a virus, but estrogen compounds from male cells did not. That's very interesting. So that poses the question of, of pharmaceuticals and vaccinations like, how are we dosing women versus men? So are we overdosing or underdosing women in certain medications and vaccinations? And how is that affecting women's health? Well, I would say and it's happening for sure. <laughs> for sure. You look at Ambien, uh, when that came out in the 90s, it took 20 years, 20 years Women were, uh, you know, the day after they take their Ambien, they're getting in car accidents, having accidents at home and, and having issues with sleepwalking. And there was one case, a woman murdered her husband in the middle of the night. And all kinds of these things were happening for 20 years until they finally were able to do a study specifically on that drug and found out that it was the enzymes. Women don't have the same amount of enzymes as men in the liver, so they were metabolizing it slower. And it took them 20 years to figure out they need to half the dose of Ambien as men. Yeah, and... Of course, they kept prescribing it for 20 years with yeah. women and dropping like flies and all that typical drug silliness. But uh, I won't get a sidetrack with that story. I think most people listening to this are hip to how much ridiculous crap goes on in the drug pushing industry, which we often refer to as the medical industry. Um, can you give us a little bit more on... I found this interesting in your course, as I was looking through your course, um, you stated that 78% of autoimmune diagnoses are among women. Um, that's a huge difference in the sexes. What's Aside from the delayed stress response due to estrogens, is there anything else involved in that? Yeah. I mean, again, you look at the stress response, right? And higher, you know, estrogen cortisol, delayed cortisol delivery, you know, so you're going to have a delayed regulation of inflammatory response. But you, you, again, go back to that statistic of uh, health condition or injury affecting job performance or ability to do the job. And 39% right. of men say they'll do it, but 15% of women or 16% of women say they won't report that. So those things play in for sure. But then you look at autoimmune disease and what is that? Um, it's an attack of the self by the self. Right. And what are women so good at? Right. So men Sacrificing themselves. Right. And, and who are their worst critics is women. We attack ourselves all the time. We're so un we're, we're even just so unaware of it. I'm sit, I mean, the patterns are so ingrained in it and, and they're still like I, the patterns are so in me, uh, despite the years and years of work I've done and I've worked with you. And I even find myself sometimes I'll be in a room uh, painting sometimes um, and I will unconsciously like fix fix my shorts 
um, as if as if someone's in the room looking at me, you know, and then I'll laugh. Yeah. I will just laugh at myself. Like, who am I fixing myself up for? There's nobody even in here, <laughs> you know, and I just laugh at myself because these patterns are just so just they're, <laughs> they're just so stuck in there at every crevice and corner. We are our worst critics. We are our worst attackers we we do ourselves the most harm we t we attack ourselves and and you know i go back to that that same same notion if we're not aware of what we're feeling the body's going to exaggerate it eventually yes and so yeah so you can become aware yeah you you'll see the body twisting and turning trying to send its messages up right and and um, and that's, it's going to show itself. It's going to reveal itself. And I do believe, um, that, that that's why women have 78% of autoimmune disease. And I also do believe, and this may not be a popular opinion, um, that religion plays a lot into that as well, because, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, you're living in a, a society that has Christian programming in its institutions, organizations, uh, political, um, educational, uh, you know, cinematic, uh, marketing, news, advertising. Every it's everywhere, whether we are conscious of it or not. Those you know, sacrificial, um, biased messaging and programming is it's in our society and. Um, even today, even in our superhero, superwoman, you know, women's liberation, um, modern day, it's still there. It is absolutely still there. And, um, I, that's why I believe that that's, that we, so many women have autoimmune disease. Yeah. And, and I'll just interject that it's not just the Christian religion. There's plenty of that in Islam. I mean, imagine being a woman in the Middle East on a 115 or 20 degree day, having to walk around with her head and face oh. covered and kind of drowning in sweat. Um, oh, all I agree. because of this sort of, uh, you know, you know, ideological religion, all the major world religions were founded by men. Um, and Judaism has its own issues. I've worked with plenty of females from all these different religions that have their own challenges that go right back to religious programming. And, and you know, part of our spiritual growth is to come to the realization that there are many different ways that the divine expresses itself in the world. And that ultimately, if that religious ideology is not bringing you into a deeper connection with love and service as a gift of love, then it's time to upgrade your software or you may end up meeting your maker only to find out that uh, his sense of humor <laughs> around this stuff is a lot different than what you've been taught. And that it uh, funny, everybody thinks God is a man too. I think, well, I keep telling people, why do you keep referring to God as a man? Because if you've learned anything about life, only women can give birth. So if the universe came from somewhere, it had to come from the mm -hmm. womb. And therefore, you'd be better off to think of God as a woman. And if you think God knows what you're doing all the time, that's more womanly than man right. too. <laughs> women are the creators. And, and you're right. There's, it's, it's more than just Christianity. I, I should 
you know, correct myself there. And I do agree with you there. I would say, though, however, the majority of all of that here and speaking of U.S., the United States, most of what I see is very fundamentally is very Christian messaging. Um, and what we're dealing with politically yeah, it, in this in this political climate is is very dominated by Christian Christian messaging um, and not in not a good way. And I would say that Christianity, I'm Christian, is a absolutely beautiful religion. And I I adore Christianity and I I assign myself as a Christian. I just don't believe truly um, many people are practicing it. <laughs> no, um, they're not. And I call it corporate Christianity. Right, right. What they're practicing and what what's what runs our government and you know what our our amazing president Donald Trump uh, upholds is this that's probably just making Jesus roll over in the grave with all that silliness. But uh, you're right. We have a, a Christian uh, we have a Christian um, legal system. We have Christian road system, road names. Mm-hmm. I mean holidays. I tell, I've even had atheists that I've tracked right back to suffering from Christian belief systems. And when I pointed out to them, they just were shocked. Yeah. And they go, how could that be? I never even went to a Christian church. I have nothing to do with it. I have no interest in it. Like, well, you were raised in a Christian environment. Everything about you from your education system to the uh, money systems, you know, I could go on and on. You start tracking back the influences that Christianity has on the United States of America and Europe, and it pretty much all leads right back to the Vatican. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, very true. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's it, that's a whole other thing. That's a, a whole other thing to get into as well. And even when I started working with you, you wanted you gave me some information on, um, you know the development of, you know, conscious development and, and working through religious stuff. And I, I kind of wanted to reject that, you know, I was like, no, I rejected that, all that stuff, you know, when I was like 20, I'm good. I'm past that. Right. You know, and surely you were just laughing uh-huh. at me behind the scenes. But when I started reading that uh, and really digging into that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not even past this level of consciousness, you know? And that was shocking to me because it's it, truly like no matter what you think, what you consciously think that you've rejected this idea and that idea and that idea, it's it's truly embedded in, in every fiber of, of your subconscious. And it, it's in there. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, it's 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 hard for a lot of people to hear this because of the same reasons uh, it was hard for you to hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, or because we get so conditioned into something, we think, oh my God, another thing I've got to change, or how could my parents or my church have been that wrong or whatever. But, uh, you know, people don't realize that religion is the biggest business in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, people think that the military industrial complex is, for example, but I have to remind them, who do you think used to own all the soldiers? and, And where do you think the concept of warring came from aside from our primal you know neighboring wars for food and territory but when we started getting into you know massive amounts of land and entire countries and the whole concept of kingship that all goes right back to religion and it wasn't that long ago that religion and the military were one organization and finance all of it was under the heading of the church even science was and uh 
so my only point is, is a lot of these things, in order for people to real, really heal, you, you have to pull the root of the problem. You cannot just cut the top off of a weed and expect things to change because we all know the weeds grow back. So really, one of the challenges that women face today is that the medical system and most therapists are weed toppers. They're not right. real gardeners. So Czech professionals are trained to get to the root so you can really offer people healing. And we're a multidisciplinary system, so nobody can know everything. So the Czech, the Czech Institute teaches people how to refer to many different healthcare professionals so that we can work together as a team because human beings are just far too complicated for one doctor or therapist. My God, the number of people I've referred patients to I've had some patients seeing another, you know, often it's, it's not uncommon to have five or six different specialists involved because we need those different viewpoints. So, you know, I, I want to make sure people listening know this isn't an attack against religion, because as you said, you're a Christian. Yeah, I'm very religious, but I would I would call it spiritual. I practice world religion. I, I want to know the values and the beliefs of all the people in the world because I'm a citizen of the world. And therefore, if I want to get along with other people. I have to understand the way they see and relate to the world so that I can, instead of judging them, have a sense of connection to them. And, and, and the man that really gave me the greatest support in that understanding was studying Houston Smith, because Houston Smith is still considered the world's greatest expert on world religion and the only man that actually lived with and practiced with the people of each of the world's five major religions for five years. He devoted himself to each of the world's religions and became the world's leading expert on world religion. And when I studied Houston Smith's work, which I have for years and still do, I really I really gained a really deep sense of understanding and connection. But within each religion, you have stages of consciousness, and the mystics are always the representations of the highest stage of consciousness. And in every religion, if you study the mystics, they usually are saying things that go completely against what the canonized version or the fundamentalists are saying. And that's why most of the mystics have been hunted down and killed by the very religion uh, that they were practicing. So it's just a chance to say, look, we're talking about women's health and women are really often under greater stress and duress because of these ideals that come through religion. I mean, my God, Christianity makes women evil and the body evil. And, you know, all of this is Eve's fault, you know, and so on and so forth. And Oh, yeah, that was a big message of me growing up. If, if only Eve hadn't done this, then childbirth wouldn't be painful, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, and, and again, like you said, I'd like to reiterate, this isn't an attack on religion. I mean, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam. Uh, Christianity, uh, Judaism, they're all beautiful. All of them fundamentally across the board truly have one main message. If you look at all of them and I, I think, um, you know, every practitioner provider or coach should get Houston Smith's uh, book, the world's religions Yes, and study it. Uh, because again, if you're working with anybody, um, you're going to come across many religions. Alex and I have this book and have both read it. And it's um, it's been very, very helpful to understand how to 
adapt to who you're working with and and know how to talk to them, communicate with them, and also understand them. And so that that's been a a life changing book for us as coaches. So I, you know, if you're a coach listening to this, I would highly recommend the world's religions by Houston Smith, H U S T O N. So, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, it's not an attack on religions, but that, you know, human beings have bastardized religions in very shadowistic um, ways. Yes. And for a profit, but uh, yeah. one of the, you know, I've dealt with many women who have a lot of pain uh, and, and oftentimes even anger towards the religious bias uh, against women. Mm-hmm. And I, I, one of my quotes that I say to them, which usually gets a giggle out of them, I say, well, you realize the reason God made Adam out of clay was so Eve could fashion uh, her, his love for her. <laughs> she, she could shape him how he wants, she wanted to, you know? And so women really, women, research shows that women spend about 65% of the money in all households where there's a man and a woman together. Mm-hmm. Uh, women really have, they do run the world, but they run it from behind the scenes I think it's just time for women to step up into their equality. And I think men need to really support them because most men know that their wife or their secretary or their assistant or their nurses are the ones that really have it going on and really know what's going on. So if you get the male ego out of the way, I think we're at a time in the evolution of human beings where most men are smart enough to say, okay, that's enough of this stupid game. We really need to let women have the freedom to make the money that they should be making, have the positions they should be making and give them the honor and the credit for what they really do. Especially when you look at work studies and I've studied ergonomics quite a bit and, and things to do with, uh, you know, industrial work. And I've seen studies comparing the workflow of men versus women. And consistently they show the average woman does four to five times as much work a day Mm. as the average man. So any man who's even got a few brain cells holding hands can just look around him and be honest and say, okay, if it wasn't for women, the world would be completely fucked. (laughs) Just men would just destroy it. In fact, women are usually picking up the pieces from all our stupid war games and all that crap. I haven't seen too many women rushing to send their their cherished boys and girls off to get their heads blown (laughs) off in a battlefield. But guys are you know, ready to swing dicks and swords and blast shit to pieces. And it, it's that attitude's just got to go or we're going to kill each other. We're going to destroy each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a smart guy. And that's why you've got two of the hardest working women right there uh, in, in your household. I mean, if anybody's ever met Penny and seen Penny in action, my gosh. I mean, she's got enough power in her to run three companies. <laughs> I've well, yes, yeah. and she does run at least three. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to, just for you guys listening, uh, right at my dinner table, uh, Penny has three master's degrees. She's a master's in biological anthropology from Cambridge University, a master's in exercise and sports science from Colorado State, a master's in business administration from Colorado State, and she's a mm-hmm. pilot. Angie has a degree in energy medicine. She's got a degree in nutrition. She's got a degree in biology, and she's done a three-year advanced training program in shamanism with one of the world's greatest teachers of shamanism, Michael Harner. So I highly 
respect, love, and appreciate the women closest to me. And I not only love and respect and appreciate them as beautiful women, but because they're very great contributors to my life and to the Czech Institute and have helped me and directly touched the lives of countless thousands of people. So really all I'm saying is, men, stop playing stupid games with women because they're already way ahead of you. The difference is if you keep on playing these patriarchal, religiously motivated games, you're just stressing the shit out of the very people that give you the greatest chance to live a full, enjoyable life. And the more you irritate them, the less sex you get. So wise up, boys. Yeah, there is a um, uh, a, a quote I had seen um, on on uh, on uh, I think it was Instagram the other day. Again, it was another one of those you know women need to stop taking jobs away from men, and um, you know, and again, going back to what you say, like women get in productivity, you know far more and then again it's not a competition because men are good at the focusing and women are the multitaskers and i don't think women need to compete with men because it, uh, going back to the archetypes this is what's happening this is what's making women sick is they think women i believe women think that they need to compete and this is why we are becoming more masculine and we're losing touch with our feminine and that's why we're getting sick that's why 90% of those diagnosed with fibromyalgia are women. Two-thirds of all Alzheimer's patients are women. Uh, women experience migraines two times the rate as men. Uh, IBS, three times more than men. Um, they're two and a half times more likely to be diagnosed with anxiety, OCD, and PTSD than men. And that includes statistics of post-war veterans. One out of every four women struggle with infertility. Uh, 25 to 30% of women uh, between 15 to 44 have uh, 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 PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's estimated that 70% of uh, women who have it are not even diagnosed. And one out of 10 women are diagnosed with endometriosis. These are all reproductive issues. These are women who are too masculine, who've lost touch with their femininity. And very dried out. And they're dried out. They're energetically yeah, dried out and their diets, they're often having to drink lots of coffee and tea, which has a diuretic effect on the body. So they're just to try to cope with all their caring and all the multitasking and everything we've been talking about there. They have a much I've never looked at studies on it, but I've worked with a lot more women that are addicted to coffee then I have uh, men that are addicted to coffee because they're trying to do so much all the time. They're trying to push the red line. And when the body can't do it anymore, then they start taking shortcuts. And, you know, then coffee leads to some something stronger. Then you got five-hour energy. Well, you know, next thing you know, it's going to be 24-hour energy. The next thing you know, it's going to be drink this and, and then you'll go like hell till you drop unless dead. They have, you know? um, unless they smoke something or drink right. wine. And so it's one thing to the next thing to the yes. next thing. And then, you know, you can't do one thing unless you have something. And that's those are the coping mechanisms. And that's that's you're now absolutely detached from your body because you're so on fire and in in your masculine. And what I'm saying is this is because women are trying to compete with men because they think they need equality. And again, it might be an unpopular opinion. And I've been, oh, man, have I gotten it online? <laughs> Um, 
but I don't think women need equality. Like you had said earlier, we control the economy. We control the economy. We own, we, we pretty much own the GDP. We don't need it. We just need equal quality. Because if you recall my statistics, and those of you listening, or the statistics that I gave you earlier, that we only account for 3% of all exercise science research, and all of these other statistics I had shared about, you know, all pre-trials and health studies that are not providing sex-specific spe- sex data and findings in our research over, you know, over all of history, and we're just now finding out a year or two ago that women are, are, you know, showing, females are showing that they develop more intense innate responses, cellular immune responses to viral infections and vaccinations than men. Like we're, we've got some serious catching up to do for women and, and providing them care and, and, and how we look at them, how we study them, how we coach them. Uh, evaluate them, assess them, and and how we provide them with the programming and and the healthcare that they need because we are down to a cellular level different uh, than men to a cellular level, and I'm not saying men don't have very specific needs because they do, and they've got their own problems uh, as well, right? But you know, women are so. Uh, specifically uh different and in every you know system of the body we have different responses and reactions to different stimulus and stresses um that every coach and provider that works with a woman and every partner to a woman uh, needs to understand these things because men don't have hormones like women do and you know it's they don't reproduce and, and provide life like women do and, and bleed like women do. And speaking of which, when we are exposed to certain stresses, um, that doesn't just affect our cortisol or our adrenal glands. Um, it affects our 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 hormone cycles and our hormone cycles. It's not just like you bleed once a month. You know, I had a, a, a partner I worked with, I was talking about not Alex, but years and years ago, I owned a gym with, he couldn't even, I mean, he giggled, we're talking about an adult man that giggled and said, ew, at the mention of menstruation. Now, this is like, yeah, that's, that's terribly immature. It's just, uh, it's unfortunately still, there's still too many men that are just that childish out there. But uh you know what I'd like to do, just for time's sake, we got several areas I wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if we can get through some of the rest of these key points because I really think the audience would enjoy getting into some of this stuff. All right, let's dig in. So, Sarah, that's all very fascinating stuff. I'm totally digging this, and you're bringing up all sorts of stuff that I because I haven't looked into the research on women since I did my equal but not the same course, which was quite a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. And my concerns were mostly uh, toward conditioning and orthopedic issues. So it's really exciting for me to hear all the new research that you're sharing. Um, not that it's exciting to hear it because it's sad, but it's exciting to, to to get an update. So you're sort of serving me as, as my own personal research assistant at the moment, which is fantastic. <laughs> I will certainly call you if I ever have a position open. I don't know if I can afford you, but you're damn good at it. 
I'd like to talk about conditioning and the female hormonal cycle. Um, sadly and oddly, I found that a lot of the females I work with, um, particularly for athletic conditioning, are quite detached mm -hmm. from their own hormonal cycles, which when I started seeing that, I was like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Um, and that's particularly when birth controls, pills are involved, mm -hmm. and they have chronic amenorrhea for any reason, but often due to the pill. Can you offer some tips as to when women are more likely to respond best to intense or complex uh, movements, that's intense exercise or complex movements, versus be more conservative uh, with regard to their hormonal cycle? Yeah, yeah. You know, birth control pill, you know, again, I can't tell anybody what to use or not use, but uh, that is one thing where, you know, women pop a pill and they just don't think about it. You know, they become very detached from their body and they don't think about their hormones or their cycles. And they it's they're very unaware and very detached. So, again, it's very difficult for them to know how their uh, how stress is affecting them. So um, but, yeah, the best times really, truly to um, for high intensity or complex tasks uh, would be mid cycle. Um, and most particularly that would you know, I would choose for uh, my athletes or women that uh, I'm working with would be like, um, you know, days 12 to 17 when estrogen and testosterone are naturally at their peak. Um, and, but progesterone are all is also elevated. So progesterone kind of keeps recovery and stress in check because progesterone is a, is like the calming hormone. Uh, whereas estrogen is like the energy, uh, energetic hormone. It like, uh, it helps with energy and focus and testosterone's all, uh, you know, also the hormones, uh, that's, you know, helps with energy and drive and pain suppression or pain tolerance, um, increased strength, et cetera. So basically all those hormones are about at their peak mid cycle. Um, and that's, you know, weeks, uh, about week two or days nine to 17. Those are best times for metabolic strength and strength and power type exercises. Uh, you know, uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interject without you finishing. Did you finish what you wanted to say? Oh, no, I was just going to include like power, agility, coordination. Those are, you know, those are at peak around that time. When I did my research to put together my course, Equal But Not the Same, I came across a very potent little book. I believe it was written by Judy Daly and Wendy I from the Australian Institute of Sport. And one of the things they shared in there, which I was quite shocked by, is that a I think it was something like 69% of all injuries to Olympic-class female athletes happened when they were premenstrual. Mm -hmm. And the most most common reaction from their coaches was to just suck it up and push through it. And a lot of them had uh, ultimately ended their careers because of that sort of coaching and a lack of awareness of how to condition females. So um, that's one of the reasons I asked you. Uh, I, I, I know these things from my own studies and working with females, but I thought it would be so important for women, especially if they're athletic out there particularly with this boom of CrossFit and kettlebell training and all the ass kicker stuff. And a lot of women are gravitating to that. But I watch a lot of these women in the gym 
and my God, I can practically tell where they're at in their cycle just by looking at their orthopedics as they're doing the lifts and watching them fall into pronation and core control shut off. And you can see their lower abs distended oftentimes because they're premenstrual or yeah. in the early menstrual phases and the abdominal walls shut off to make room for the uterus. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, and that's why I have all the organ maps and everything for the practitioners at HLC3 so they can learn how to track the correlation between body symptoms and gland and organ functions. Um, uh, something I thought was really cool, you created a, a, a table on a table of correlations on page 38 in your course manual, looking at the, the correlations between the archetypes and the hormonal phases. Um, I love the animal correlations as well that you give, which was mm -hmm. quite cool. Is there anything uh, specific from that table of correspondences that you'd like to share right now? Um, well, yeah, you know, I think I touched a little bit on it earlier is that with the shifting hormones, um, e you know, as through each phase and uh, of the cycle of a woman's cycle, um, each hormone will kind of uh, ignite uh, an, one particular archetype to sort of dominate or reveal itself. And I think identifying with one archetype through each phase of the cycle helps a woman to become more aware with her body. So it's not a way to say you need to be the maiden, right, in phase two. It's more of a way to help a woman identify with and become more aware with her body. Because in phase two, you're coming out of menstruation, you're coming out of your bleed days, so your energy is increasing, you're feeling a bit better about yourself, you're feeling a bit more energized, you're feeling more yourself right um and so you're emerging and so you do feel more youthful more confident more um more pure because you've you've exited the menstruation the bleed days and so it, it's just a way to personify each phase of the cycle and um put a uh, a character to each one to help you like really identify and become more aware with each one. And really mid cycle, we were just talking about um, you have the most energy uh, mid cycle. You're, you know, all hormones are, are jacked up. They're at their peak. You have increased glycogen, fat, protein, and electrolyte storage, increased um, stores in the liver, muscle tissue, energy, fat intake. So you're going to have more energy and pain tolerance. And so you're going to have the wild woman. She's going to want to hit the gym. She's going to want to complete more complex tasks and and get get stuff done. Um, and then early luteal to mid luteal. That's like before you start your period after ovulation. Um, you know you're going to see more uh, more focused energy, uh, but you're going to have more of the the sort of the mother mother woman coming out, the mother nurturer who's taking care of herself and getting ready for menstruation to begin because she knows it's coming. So she's going to start getting ready for it and taking care of herself and taking care of things that need to be taken care of and nurturing projects because she knows that she's going to kind of need to go inward and, and take a little bit of time off and take care of herself in the coming week. And that's when wise woman comes in because the wise woman knows it's time to go inward. It's time to, to uh, slow it down. And, um, so that's how I kind of personified each, each phase of the cycle in that way. And, um, 
And another thing about the chart is this is for an average 28 day cycle of, for a woman who's menstruating. So the way to follow it is, is if you have a erratic cycle or you have a 32 day cycle is to just, you know, lengthen it or add the, add, add days in between and, and follow it that way. You know, it's not everybody has a 28 day cycle or not every woman does. Um, and I have in, in the course, um, after, you know, after these, this section, there's some notes on menopause and premenopause. And in the advanced course, I get much further into premenopause and menopause, as well as women who are not getting their cycle. Um, and women who have more reproductive health issues as well. I get much more into that. But, um, you know, be mindful to, when you're following this, even if you're on birth control or have IU, an IUD or, or things like that, that, um, you know, if you're not perfect to this chart, um, that's okay. Follow this if you want to regulate your hormones. Because if you follow the natural patterns of it, eventually the body's going to follow. Um, just like eating right. If you eat right, if you go to sleep, at, uh, you know, you know, if you follow your circadian rhythms, you know, your body is going to start to adjust to that. Everything else starts to fall into place. You drink enough water, your kidneys will be healthy and you'll start to eliminate toxins from the body. So that's how this chart's going to work for you and it's going to benefit you. And in, in terms of, you know, early, early follicular and late luteal, that's like you were saying earlier uh, about CrossFit and women getting injured. You're, you see, um, you see it even in some of the science that we do see about women, the inflammation from the uterus pulls away from, from muscle recruitment and lower abdominals. That's why you see women getting injured. You that's, you know, uh, right before a woman starts her period to the first few days of a woman's period, that's the last time you want to be doing complex tax, tasks or box jumps or um, reps against a clock. Um, <laughs> that, that's, you know, anytime I see a woman who's, you know, doing tasks like that, you know, premenstrual or on her period, you know, you're guaranteed to see an injury because you need your core to stabilize the spine, first of all. And um, if you're on your period, it's, it's you, you know, that's just a recipe for injury right there. Yeah. You know, a couple of things come to my mind. One, I think this chart is absolutely essential for any male that coaches females, that conditions them, that's uh, a doctor or therapist, because not only does it give you all the information we're talking about, but it helps you understand the changes in behavior, having, you know, two wives and a life of experience with women and a mother and, you know, being someone who's studied enough to sort of witness what's going on with women in relationship. You know, when women's uh, periods harmonize, you know, most men know when to stay out of the office as a sort of a kind of a running <laughs> thing. It's like, okay, they're, they're all, it's, it's that time. Be careful what you say or do in the office right now. But, um, you know, there's there's differences in personality. So a woman who's in her mid-cycle, 12 to 17, can be much more aggressive when you're coaching them or much more resistant to new ideas because they're mm -hmm. more masculine in their expression of themselves. But then 
there's times when they're much more likely to be very sensitive emotionally. So you say something that might just be uh, not intended to be criticism, but it can be taken much more deeply and be a much more emotionally hurtful. And you might have addressed the same issue uh, a few weeks ago, but it had been in a different phase of her cycle and she could have responded very, very differently. So I think that men having that awareness would be very, very helpful as uh, coaches, therapists, trainers, etc. The other thing is, is that a lot of women are so out of touch with their cycle. If they saw the correlations between the archetypes and the animals, they could literally say, well, am I feeling more like a maiden right now or a wise woman or a wild woman, etc.?" And that might help them start to get more of a sense of where they're at in their ovulatory cycle just by paying attention to those psychological characteristics mm-hmm. and then they might be able to be more aware of when they should or shouldn't have uh, unprotected sex for their own protection because mm-hmm. yeah that can get very confusing like that you know what are your what's the consistency of your fluids and ha- all these types of s- symptoms that can though that information can be very overwhelming well i don't know is it egg white is it clear is it da 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 you know, getting com- and and you want to get on Google and look and compare it. It's like you know, women can sometimes be more in touch with their psychological feelings, but be very confused when it comes to physical stuff or looking at the cervical fluids. And they second guess all that information. You put a personification to something uh, of their psychological or emotional changes that can help really solidify those things and really make it easier. So. I really like how I put that chart together. Um, and and also got to thank you, though, because you're the one who really introduced me to archetypes. So, you know, you you uh, you were kind of, in a way, a co-writer of this. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to share the woman in me. There's there's a woman in all of us men that takes a lot of maturity to find her. But when we do, our life gets a lot <laughs> easier. We're far less likely to get injured and in the gym or on motorcycles or whatever it be. And it took me a long time. I didn't really start truly tapping into my feminine until probably I was about 47 years old. Um, just because I, a lot of circumstances made me realize I'd better <laughs> start listening because as I'm aging, I'm not recovering from my silliness as fast. And I also wanted to enhance my relationships with people. So I just needed to, uh, you know, get the silverback gorilla uh, to find his female partner in, in my psyche. And I think it's very important for men. You know, a lot of men have this sort of fear of accessing their feminine that it's going to turn them into a pussy or a wimp or mm-hmm. something. But, you know, I really believe a man's never at his potential till he has access to the woman inside of him because he, he can't use his intelligence. You know, you're when you're young, dumb, and full of cum, you bang into shit all the time. And, um you know, all the things that you've just been highlighting about the amazing differences between men and women. If a man can find the feminine in himself, he can start um, accessing some of that, those gifts that are in us. Because a man has every one of the hormones that a woman does just in much smaller amounts. So even hormonally, uh, you know, if you elevate estrogens in a men, they'll start growing breasts. I mean, there's, you know, yeah. they're, they're, we're not that far off. It's just the ratios and hormones are wickedly powerful chemicals so it doesn't take that much of a change in hormones to really bring a lot of woman out of a man but it also 
just takes a little effort and awareness to say, well, what are the the qualities about women that if I had more of would make me a healthier male in relationships and more responsible for myself, my own body, my own healing, etc. So I think, you know, when I talk to men and, and I work with a lot of aggressive young male elite athletes, initially they, they don't get it. But what I do is I take them out into the gym and I actually take them through exercises and things to show them how to access the feminine. When they actually realize how it can enhance their training, they're really, they're, they're very interested. Mm-hmm. But uh, oftentimes it's just the, the word feminine that throws them for a loop. Um, I noticed in your listing of your, 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 your physiological stressors that you had the physical, chemical, electromagnetic, uh, psychic or mental and nutritional, but you didn't include the thermal. I was just curious, um, why you didn't include the thermal, uh, in your course. Uh, could you share a little bit on that? Yeah. You know, so in HLC, we learn about the six stretch, uh, the, the six stressors and thermal is one of them. Um, but in this course, for the sake of this course, um, you know, I kind of had to, you know, water a lot of things down, um, and save some information for the advanced course. Um, because, you know, I've been, compiling a lot of my research since 2011, 2012. And this, there was just so much stuff that if we just put all of it out there all at once, it would have just been way too overwhelming. And so for the sake of, you know, taking out thermal, I chose that to be one of them because I believe, you know, all women really, really are too hot. Um, uh, And based on the five stressors that, um, really are causing inflammation and do cause inflammation uh, daily. Um, it's those cause thermal stress. Those create thermal stress in women. And, and as an introductory, if we can address those five stressors on women and kind of work on you know, the endocrine disruptors and the nutritional stress and uh, electromagnetic stress and physical stress and all those five stressors and get that inflammation down and then get into the advanced version of this and start talking about thermal stresses and um, how that can actually be too cool, too hot. And actually when women become too cool um, from um, as we had discussed um, before we got on here, from being too hot for too long, uh, when our body can't even regulate its own temperature for too long, I just felt that was going to that was going to take take us down another rabbit hole um, that would be a bit too complicated for this course. Uh, being an introductory, um, I, I feel like this course was a bit uh, <laughs> um, high level as an introductory as it is. So I really wanted to keep it simple and basic um, and give women and coaches and practitioners something to work with uh, that they could give clients um, and women themselves something to work with um, that would make the biggest impact right then and there uh, to start. So, uh, yeah, the fire element is alive and well in uh, 99% of women. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the the thing you it is a very comprehensive course, but one of the things that I would say for the listeners is that 
it has a lot of excellent tables and diagrams. So even though it's comprehensive, the way you've presented it, I found very easy to follow. It's, it's, I don't think most people, even if they don't have uh, a significant background in anatomy or physiology, I think anybody that's got a genuine interest in how to work with women or, or women that want to know more about themselves or men that want to know more about women can get a lot out of it because there's something in there for everybody at their own level. Mm -hmm. And the, and the diagrams and the, and the, and the um, artistic expression of it, I think makes it much more palatable to people. Yeah. That was my goal was really to take all of the uh, data that I found and really present it in a way that it could be consumed in a, uh, you know, uh, a way that it could be processed and applied by anyone, anyone who was, you know, seasoned to new to all of this. And um, even the most seasoned practitioners that I've given this to, I mean, some of your instructors who've been with the Czech Institute for a long time have been absolutely blown away by this. But uh, I wanted it to go either way. The, the instructors at your institute, um, to be uh, absolutely impressed to someone who's just now receiving this information for the first time to be able to understand it. So um, that's why I created all of the tables and the diagrams and the um, you know imagery uh, as well as the information to take it from research and science into actual good English language. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on is, you know, Having assessed countless thousands of males and females breathing patterns, I would say that I don't see much difference if I had to say, okay, if I could go back for all the countless thousands of people whose breathing patterns I've assessed and tally up how many men had breathing pattern dysfunctions versus women, I probably guess it would be about equal. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I mean, I feel that any deficit in a female's breathing pattern comes at a greater cost than the, the same relative deficit in a male. I'm just curious as to what your thoughts, feelings, and observations in that regard are. Uh, well, I would agree well, for, you know, a lot of various reasons. One is, uh, you know, as we discussed, we're the reproductive creators. Um, and we if we're think if we're talking about physiologically we're we do have a longer torso but a narrower nar more narrow uh you know rib cavity as well as you know smaller waist and core angle and so in terms of taking that big breath that's that's um in itself right like our our diaphragms in term in terms of stress and chronic stress we already have deactivated our our diaphragms but we also have um, women tend to have the most caved in, um, um, chest cavities and that poses a big issue. And when it comes to opening that up, you know, we just had a client here this weekend that had a, she teaches breathing classes and had the most shallow breathing. Um, and yet one of the first clients we've had that could almost pass a lower abdominal test. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, but 
when she came here, the reason she had come here was this was a case of pelvic floor dysfunction. And immediately I'm thinking, okay, this has got to be, we definitely, number one, got to assess the breathing because she had seen physical therapists and she was seeing a specialist traveling long distances to see specialists. And, and, you know, of course, like what the first step is going to be is a, a mesh implant. So this is good. This is a grave issue for women than it is, you know, I'm not saying men are not experienced issues from poor breathing mechanics, but what happens when women don't have the lumbopelvic control, uh, mechanisms in place is their organs prolapse and then we are on the surgical table being opened up yet again and then you know there's so many problems with mesh implants and how that all that stuff happens and what I was able to find is like okay get your breathing in, in, in check. And, and she nearly passed the lower abdominal, which is almost unheard of. Like I can almost not pass that. So that was impressive. Um, posture was okay. Actually her pelvic tilt, she was at an eight and a 10. Um, but she had some forward head, uh, go through all the checklists. So guess what, guess what we found? She has a copper IUD. Oh boy. Yep. So turned her uterus into a radio signal receiver. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, copper is, it it conducts electricity and energy. It's, it's, it's a magnet for energy. And so what's happening is, is it's her uterus is becoming, you know, interior and and, and a 5G, uh, it's a 5G phone tower. Right. And so it's it's turning on top, like kind of like twisting and it's pulling on top of the bladder and pushing the bladder down. It's twisted. And so th- th- there you go. That's something that not very many people would think. And, and she saw a specialist, an OBGYN specialist who did all of these exams and, it's like, and said, yeah, you have a bit of a, pr- a prolapse. It's you know, and we're going to put a mesh in you. So we're just going to put more crap in you instead of saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't um, take that metal out of your uterus and free free that up. And so going back to breathing, <laughs> yes, that it's so important because women are, are just, we're, we're having our body split in half and having metal shoved up into our twats and we're having... You know, we, when you think about even just to this very day, after we have uh, nine months of of caring and creating a human and gestating a human and then having our body split in half, whether it's vaginally or through cesarean section, we get uh, two days in a hospital and we're sent off without even a prescription for pain medications. And we get one follow-up doctor appointment where they they sit with you for 15 maybe 20 minutes and discuss you know potentially prescribing antidepressants if you've got postpartum they check any scars to make sure they're healing and then they send you back on your way and say go back to normal activities in 6 weeks you don't get one mention of rehabilitation no one yeah no it's sad no one assesses the pelvic floor at all no regardless the, the, no you've absolutely had complete trauma to the pelvic floor muscles and organs and soft tissue and ligaments 
and you don't get rehab nor any evaluation or assessment of the pelvic floor. And so, yes, breathing affects women incredibly because it's on the same neurological loop as, as the TVA, the multifidus, the, the pelvis, the, you know, all the pelvic floor muscles. And you want to talk about having, you know, lumbopelvic motor control and, and back, back problems and lumbar, lumbar uh, injuries are so common in women. And then, yeah. and then you have ACL injuries. They're four times more common in, in women than they are in men. And uh, the coccyx, coccyx injuries and, and issues and surgeries, six times uh, or five times more in women, pelvic inflammatory disease, sciatica pain, SI joint dysfunction, you know, like, and that, that will go back to breathing. Yeah. One of the things too is, you know, like I, I know when Angie was in her third trimester, both with Mona and Zoe, her breathing sped up quite a bit and she was so big, her organs were all pushed mm -hmm. up into her diaphragm. So she couldn't, she couldn't take a normal breath, mm -hmm. a, a normal full diaphragmatic breath. So if, if, if a woman that's pregnant like that has a breathing pattern disorder, which means that they're not able to expand. The, so for people listening, a breathing pattern disorder occurs First of all, your your when you inhale, your spine lengthens, so your spinal curvature should reduce. If you lean up against a wall, for example, and take a deep breath, you should feel your head moving up the wall like you're getting taller. Your rib cage should expand anterior to posterior, so the distance from your spine to your sternum or your chest should get bigger, and your rib cage should expand laterally. So if a person's losing any of those three dimensions and they're in late stage pregnancy, it's going to cause a tremendous oxygen uh, deficit, which is going to cause hyperventilation. And that triggers off sympathetic nerve system, sympathetic nerve reactions or the autonomic branch, the sympathetic branch. So there's mm -hmm. a lot more fight or flight um, reactivity, which makes it harder for them to sleep. It makes them more... Uh, emotional, more caged feeling, more stressed, and they can't really relax and wind down or get back to that sense of calm. So I think uh, women being aware that breathing pattern disorders are very important. And I've had all sorts of people come to me that have been to breathing workshops all over the place, even Wim Hof, as much as I love him. And I don't think he really looks at these issues orthopedically. So I'm not criticizing Wim Hof at all. But I've had people that have done, you know, three, four multi-day workshops and even gone and spent time with them that have come to me, even professional athletes, mm -hmm. and they have serious breathing pattern disorders. And I'm like, well, it's great that you're learning to use your mind to handle cold water. But guess what? Your breathing pattern, your core physiological, mechanical aspects of how you breathe are not working well. And that is what you've got to handle first. So it's kind of like, a lot of people are going to breathing workshops these days and they're they're kind of like basketball players that are learning how to slam dunk the ball before they even know how to dribble or even know the rules of the game, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this woman we're working with, she's a strong, strong athlete. I mean, absolutely strong. I mean, stronger than me. And she's, you know, almost past this lower abdominal and she's experiencing these health issues and seeing so, you know, top notch. Uh, you know, specialists uh, who were on, you know, four times across board, uh, board certified 
specialists, top in their fields, and, and they have failed, failed her. And it, 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 it gets me fired up. It really gets me fired up. And, well, now um, you know what I've been dealing with for my whole career. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, but you know that it, it it does it keeps you in it, it keeps you it keeps your nervous system, you know, activated, fired up, and and at that same time too, it keeps your pain receptors on alert. So you're feeling pain at a higher level and a more acute level than you would otherwise. And so, you know, being pregnant, that's not when you want to be feeling pain even more either. You're already com uh, uncomfortable. Um, and so, you know, again, if you're working with women or you're a partner of a woman, um, it's something to think about, you know, you get a, you know, arthroscopic knee surgery these days and you're given rehab, um, rehabilitation, physical therapy for a, a, an incision that's not even bigger than the tip of a pen sometimes. Yeah. And women are having their bodies literally split in half and leaving without even so much as pain medication and told to take Tylenol and return to normal activities at six weeks with no examination of the pelvic floor, no PT, no, no, no examination or evaluation of anything. And these women, you know, the one client said she was back to running the week after she gave birth. Yeah. Sometimes though, uh, women kind of pride themselves and get a bit masculine with how quick they can get their muscles back and oh I'm I was in the gym two days later doing this and they talk about it like a badge of honor like men talk about their bench press or how big their dicks are. So they do. Uh some of the women are are sort of masculinized that way. The other thing, there's a couple of points I want to bring up. One, the Scandinavian countries have much better programs for helping pregnant women, caring for them, mm -hmm. more time off, better evaluations. The Danish physiotherapists are the only ones in the world that I know of that are trained to do intrapelvic assessment and treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen any therapist from any other part of the world that was taught intrapelvic work. I was fortunate to be trained in intrapelvic work um, in my neuromuscular therapy training through the St. John Institute in uh, 88. I finished my training in 89, uh, but they had to stop doing it because of uh, too many uh complaints from medical people saying that that people shouldn't be doing it fortunately for me i work with medical doctors so as long as i had a prescription but i've helped too many people to even think that failed in the medical system that had internal problems such as coccyx uh, that were traumatized and immobilized mm -hmm. nerve adhesion trigger points um, scar tissue that hadn't been treated and things like that and the other thing is i don't want to give the people the impression I'm against medical doctors. I'm just against medical silliness of all types, just like I'm against religious silliness or or uh, phone uh, and EM electromagnetic pollution silliness and, and corporate crap, you know, the kind of stuff that we should all be paying attention to. And in fact, um, we Angie and I were very, very blessed to uh, find an incredible OBGYN by the name of Nathan Riley, who's truly holistic. He's very interested in the Czech system. He's going through HLC training and he's uh, about to open his practice uh, for consulting uh, women worldwide with uh, gynecological and any kind of issues of birth. 
and his name's Nathan Riley, MD. Um, I don't think he's launched his practice yet, but if anybody's looking for a consultation with a highly skilled, highly holistic OBGYN, just uh, email penny at paulcheck.com and ask for his contact details, and I will connect you to him. He's uh, going to begin coaching people at a distance. So there, there are good doctors out there, but they're like good mechanics and good dentists and good lawyers or good anything. You, you mm-hmm. really got to look for them. You know, of my primal patterns, squat, lunge, bend, push, pull, twist, and gait, I'm curious, which of those patterns do you feel women need more awareness or more development on specifically, if you have any opinions um, in that regard? Well, I mean, I like to do, um, I like, I like to make sure I incorporate all of them into all women's programs because, you know, I, I did, um, at a conference, uh, every comp, uh, every year I do, uh, a workshop, um, primal patterns for women. And, uh, you know, of course with your trademark, um, and I, I create exercises that are geared toward women using the primal patterns because I think it's so important. But I mean, if I really had re- like, you're making me forcing me to pick a few i'm gonna say um the bend lunge and the pull and then the twist um the bend and the lunge have the most carryover i feel like for women in day-to-day life um and that's going to integrate the pelvis and uh which women have a lot of uh issues with and and uh injury with um the pull i believe is um because women have a lot of kyphosis and forward head and and um tight pecs for sure and i you know bringing that pull and working on posture uh is important uh twist is a great movement especially if you integrate the lunge and, and the twist such you know with the cable machine um, is really good. I love that. Um, and, and in integrating the squat with like a single leg, uh, lunge and bend, um, uh, sort of squat position that helps with, lum- uh, pelvic motor control. So I like, <laughs> I like all of them. I really can't, I can't pick all of them, but, or just a few, but those, the bend, the lunge and the pull and the twist, are really really important. They have the most carry over in in terms of what women have experienced the most pain and injury to uh, that I have seen. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed, and I'm, I'm more aware of it now from you know being with Angie, being pregnant twice in the last uh, four years. So I've got to watch her and watch her body change and. When a woman's got a newborn, as you know, they spend so much time holding the baby and mm-hmm. looking down at the baby and breastfeeding. So they're kind of dropping their chest down to bring the breast to the baby. Yeah. And I watched Angie's kyphosis get significantly greater. And so I personally think that, especially for mothers, that the pulling pattern and the bending pattern, such as deadlifts, and rowing because it really helps give them the strength and they spend so much time coming down to the child's level. So even if the child can walk, say they're one to four years old, you're, you're spending so much time dressing the kids shoes on and off, yeah, 
playing with them, that those patterns tend to get very weak in women because they're so busy stuck in the end range of flexion or down on the ground. They, and they often don't have time to get much exercise. So I think that the pulling and the, and the, the, the bending and the, and the pulling patterns are, and, and, you know, deadlifts is sort of a combination of bending and pulling as well, but uh, any of the rowing type exercises and the deadlift, the sumo deadlift in particular mm -hmm. for women, um, because of the change in the angle of the thighs and how much more stable the pelvis is for females, I think is very important. Yeah. Um, when it comes to cardio training, females are so, they're almost addicted to cardio out there, although the boom in functional training that we've talked about is on, but I still see this heavy addiction to cardio's training and and we can thank you know the exercise uh systems and personal training systems and i've lectured on this all over the world the machine industry has just poisoned everybody's mind to think you've got to do all this cardio work which without going into a description of reasons why that's silly um what are your thoughts on the pro, pros and cons of of cardio training for women and any suggestions you might have I, yeah, you know, I think uh, mostly women are addicted to the adrenaline. Um, it's a stimulus. It's a, you know, it's a coping. Um, and also, you know, there could be the idea that uh, oh, I'm burning fat, um, which is an old, old thing. You know, I'm burning calories. I'm earning my next meal, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there could be an addiction there. Um, but also cardio could be good as well. So it's just about being smart with it. You know, if, you know, when women want to do cardio or if they just really don't like weight training, um, uh, we'll figure it out because I feel like, you know, based on what the assessment is, what they like, what they don't like, um, what's important, you know, my goal is to not burn her out. And if she, you know, based on her physiological load, what can she do? So I'm not going to give a woman anything she can't do but I'm not going to give her anything she doesn't want to do because she's not going to do it. <laughs> so we're just wasting each other's time. Right. Um, but if she's trying to play games with me and say, you know, well, I only run and I'm, a, you know, I run marathons and so I need to train for this marathon, but she's presenting all these injuries and burnout, then I'm just going to tell her she should move on to another coach because we'll just waste each other's time. So Cardio can be great, you know, like if you've got adrenal burnout or you, you've got some stuff going on, we can, we can figure out high intensity interval training methods that'll, that'll make you feel like you have, you know, depleted yourself, but I could make it so that you've actually, you know, meditated <laughs> because I'll, I'll make it so that you can't think <laughs> so I could shut your mind off for a little bit and then you can think you did some cardio, um, win-win. Or, um, you know, we could do some high intensity interval resistance training. So you can think you did some cardio, but I can work your muscles. Um, but um, again, it depends on physiological load and posture and training what I need to, uh, what areas of the body I need to avoid and what area of the areas of the body I need to focus on. Um, also, something you taught me, which I... Paul, now I incorporate with pretty much every woman I work with and the feedback I've had, not just with myself, but every woman I've applied this to is this is amazing. Um, you're going to have to put a name to it because I don't have a name to it. I don't know if you ever gave me a name to it, but it's basically 
it, it's zone exercise, it's zone breathing, but it's with resistance training. So you're literally, yeah. you're, you're lifting weights, yeah. but you're just lifting it, lifting the amount of weight you can lift with only your breath. So you're just moving with your breath. So whatever weight that is that you can load by moving with your breath for 20 reps, that's what you're doing. And it is amazing. It may not be exciting and thrilling, but boy, are you going to have a hard time sitting on the toilet the next day? I guarantee it. And it, it, it really works you. Yeah. It's, Bam. I call it dynamic meditation. I mean, I got the concept of dynamic meditation from studying Osho's dynamic meditations, which are very, very different, but it's really a threshold exercise. That's a crossbreed between working out and working in with the intention of keeping the um, intensity low enough that it doesn't disrupt your natural breathing cycle. So you aerate or oxygenate the body and you keep the intensity low enough that it's not going to, um, to overly stress the body, but it actually allows a woman to use repetitious movements yeah. to calm the mind and, and calm the body. And it also allows women that are feeling burned out to still have a sense of connection to the gym and to weight. So they don't feel like they're just going to, you know, their body's going to fall off and they're right, going right. to go from plumb to prune overnight. Cause you know, the aesthetics is so much more important, but really it's an introductory path into working in, um, you know, the thing I found, and I talk about this in the Czech training programs, is that a lot of people don't realize if you do 30 minutes of training on any cardio machine or running or any cardio exercise, you have 30 minutes of stimulus at, during which the adrenals will put cortisol out because they're under a, a, a load and the body's breaking tissue down. But if you go to the gym and lift weights for 30 minutes, you can only do about 10 sets. And so you're actually only getting about six and a half to eight and a half minutes of total work time. So the total um, catabolic load in 30 minutes of weightlifting is a fraction of what it is with 30 minutes of cardio. So, and because so many women have weak bodies relative to what they need for postural support and just general, you know, health and function. I've found that I have to take women off of a lot of the cardio or reduce it drastically and incorporate a combination of working in and weightlifting, uh, specifically targeting the movement patterns that they need for orthopedic balance. So I was just asking that because I was curious, as you mentioned, so many women are just on fire. And if they're doing a lot of cardio, they're just going to stress the hell out of their adrenal glands. Unless no, it's done yeah. at very low intensity, which it often isn't. If you use cardiovascular exercise for between 20 and 40 minutes at a low intensity level, so around 65 to 70% max heart rate, you can use that to stimulate the adrenal glands naturally. And that's a technique I use to get women off of coffee as I have them monitor when they're having their, their coffee low. So say they cut the coffee out. And they get a real low around 11 o'clock, which is usually within a couple of hours when they first drink coffee. And the most, most common afternoon low is around three. I say, do your best to go get, jump on a stepper or a, a treadmill or something and try to get at least 20 minutes of low intensity cardio. And it'll actually override. Oftentimes it'll mm -hmm. mostly knock out the symptoms of withdrawal from caffeine and it, 
it allows the body to use its own internal mechanisms to stimulate the adrenal glands. And another great technique that's easy to do that works amazingly well is just jump in the coldest shower you can get. And yeah, and, and when for some reason, women seem to have a lot more sensitivity to cold showers than men do. I don't know why they have that adverse reaction to cold. It could be just that the ones that I'm working with are already so low in vitality that just the ability to switch the thermal regulatory system so that they can push blood to the surface to warm their body seems arduous to them. Or they're so close to you know, hypothyroidism that their body's already going cold, in which case I don't encourage too much cold exposure mm-hmm. um, because I don't want them to get sick. But the power of of just cold showers and cold baths to stimulate the adrenals naturally, I would rather see them doing that than burning themselves out with, with uh, you know, and a lot of women use cardio to sort of manage their stress. So they get on it and it's like they're at war with that thing, trying to, you know, wear the machine out. Yeah. And so it's, they're running away from something. They're, they're, they're running from something. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I call it. But I, I, you know, overall, I haven't really ever, I've only had one client. I've had a hard time uh, eliminating cardio, which is surprising. Cause you know, I, I have a lot of practitioners who send me their most complicated cases. Um, and overall, I've only had one client who's who's been uh, stubborn about getting off of cardio. Only one, um, and I've had several who've who've argued with me on this. And um, the form of cardio I use is either you know hit a couple of times a week at max if you if they're you know in in the red zone. Um, but I use zone zone exercises are cardio because. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of breath and focus. And when you're done, you feel like you've worked. You just haven't really, really worked. You haven't hit, you haven't put your nervous system on that. You haven't hit that side of the switchboard. You, you know, you've stayed yeah. in a safe zone, but you feel like you've worked. And so I use zone exercises. Um, it's very cardio. invigorating. Yeah. It's more of an invigoration than, than I would say worked. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a work it's in. Really, a work in. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so and now and then I also use for the for those who do, who do like the resistance training, but it, that is a it's a must. Resistance training is is a must in 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 any of my programs because it use it or lose it, sister. You know, like weight weight training is going to prevent things like osteoporosis, which most women are going to start developing once you once you hit pre and pre-menopause and menopause, um, in the spine and, and, and in your, um, hip joints, especially neck wrists, ladies, that it's going to hit you. And if you don't start weight training now, you're going to lose it. So you better start picking up those weights and, um, work on that posture and hypertrophy is really, truly the only way that's going to prevent that. And if you're running and doing cardio, like a cardio bunny, um, you, you look at marathon runners, um, now and, and women who are addicted to cardio when, when they're 60 and 70 and compare that to women who, who lift and compare those, those bodies and their durability and stability and their postures. Um, and you're going to see a big difference in MRI scans, uh, and bone density. So 
and in injuries, right? So it's, it's a use it or lose it. Ask yourself, do you want to be in a walker when you're, you know, 65 and 70 years old, or do you want to have vitality and be playing with your grandkids and be spending your golden years traveling around the world and enjoying, you know, experiencing your human experience here on earth as long as you can. So, yeah, it's, um, it's all very, very important stuff. One of the things that I, when I was studying uh, all the research I could get into to create equal but not the same, I looked at a lot of studies on weightlifting and the and the effects on women. And one of the most common correlating factors they found with women who got into weightlifting or resistance training programs was that it, it had a significant effect on improving their self-esteem. Yeah. And, and as women get stronger and feel more capable, they f- one, weightlifting stimulates testosterone um, development in the mm-hmm. body and androgens. So they get more of a, so they, they get more of a lift, they get more assertive, they, get, they can feel more centered in themselves. So mm-hmm. I think with all the things we've discussed and the repression of women and all that, I think that's one of the reasons women are unconsciously gravitating toward weightlifting is because they need that sort of in, enhancement in their self-esteem and assertiveness so that they can handle the rigors of womanhood, mm-hmm. which, as we've discussed, are, are really quite significant, especially in the kind of patriarchal environment that we're in. It's been a great, great discussion. I hope everybody's enjoyed it as much as I have. I, I really love going through your course because just seeing all the statistics and things since I'd looked into the research, I was just, I was just blown away. I'm like, Oh my God, man, this is like, <laughs> this needs to be headline freaking news because one science is very out of balance with regard to the women Two, the women don't, don't often realize that a lot of the research that is being used to guide medical approaches was done on either men or male animals. Yep. And it is really not, not a safe way to determine what a woman, how a woman should be treated no. medically. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we close out, do you have any final comments that you want to share? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm touch, uh, you know, touching on what you were just saying, like, you know, in closing, it is so, so important. And this is why I, I really chose to use this, this, um, this course is, is, really what my I'm so so passionate about I've been compiling this data and all of this research since 2011 and putting it all together and if it weren't for Paul you know seeing some notes on a blackboard behind me on a call one day I I don't know if this would have ever come out I I didn't I've been holding on to this information for years because I didn't trust anybody to put it out there and um if anybody's going to help me really truly change the world and how the world sees uh, women and and coaches women, cares for women, uh, evaluates and assesses and programs women, it's going to be the Czech Institute. And um, I'm I'm one of the Czech Institute's biggest fans. And uh, that said, I'm very proud to be. Uh, providing them with this course so that they can continue to change the world. And so I encourage all of you to check out this course 
and uh, be ready for more because there's more where this came from. Um, these statistics, this, more, a, this a information, more. there is more behind it. And uh, you'll be surprised. Um, I, I'm ready to take this information and not just what is in this course, but what I'm finding out and and help women get not equality, but equal quality. Uh, yeah, fantastic. It's time. Yes, and and uh, you know we're very excited to offer the course, and and you know as you were mentioning, uh, when I saw your, I was doing a coaching session with mm -hmm. you by Skype, and I think you had one of the tables that's in the course uh -huh. mapped out on the whiteboard, and I'm looking up that, and I'm looking at that, reading the board, I'm going, damn, that's some damn good information <laughs> up there. The world needs to hear about this, Sarah. What the hell are you doing with all that? And then, so that that's how this all got started. So, so I'll pat myself on the back as being a good ta a, a talent scout. <laughs> but uh, in closing, what offerings do you have regarding your services, products, or courses? Um, and uh, we know people can get the Holistic Health and Performance for Women course we've been discussing on the podcast today right through the Czech Institute. Mm -hmm. It is, by the way, it is an online course, yeah. so you can do it right from your home. 24 hours a day with an internet connection. You can even probably do it on your phone. Um, but Sarah, you know, you and, and Alex, your partner, offer all sorts of great stuff. So uh, where can people find you and what are the services that you guys offer aside from the fact that we're offering this course through the Czech Institute? Yeah, so Alex and I, now that we have uh, established ourselves here, we've moved Primal Fusion to a five and a half acre um, location where we have our, um, 2,500 square foot gym. It's a two story, uh, gym and teaching facility, um, with a loft treatment, uh, treatment area, treatment office, uh, for physical therapy, as well as cold plunge, sauna, detox, showers, uh, training, um, you know, you name it, as well as the teaching facility, uh, where we will be offering check classes, uh, this coming year. Um, we also have a guest house where all of our clients who come from out of town can come and do, uh, intensives. So Alex is a master check practitioner and he does a lot of the hands-on manual therapy, physical therapy, where I, where, when women that I work with come in, um, I do all of the assessments, write the programs and work with them very intimately one-on-one, -on -one, uh, with the psychological, uh, emotional, putting the programs together health, diet, you name it. Alex does all of the physical manual uh, adjustments and all of that stuff. So we work as a team and you've got a place to stay um, here on site if you're coming from out of town and if you need to. So we've got five and a half acres of uh, beautiful landscape backed up by 400 plus acres of country, wildlife, um, and I also do online programs and I have this women's course that's sort of the extended version, three months of working with me, three to six months. So you can find me online at uh, primalfusionhealth.com. Um, and my space is limited, though, because I, what I do with and working with women is very intensive. So um, uh, if you are looking to work with me, just shoot me an email through the website and check the availability and um, we'd be happy happy to work with you um based on that and uh i don't i don't i didn't think i heard you mention you're in austin texas 
Austin, Texas. Yes, we are in Austin, Texas. Beautiful, beautiful place here. Uh, we call it Anki. A-N-K-I. What does that mean? Uh, heaven and earth. Right on, and baby. Universe. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. What a great interview. Thank you for all the work you've done. And thank you for all the work you've done on yourself. I've got to be witness to quite a journey and got yeah. to share in that with you and watch you learn and grow and go deep into yourself and everything that we talked about you and I have been through in your own personal life and in your coaching from uh you know religious programming to archetypes to habits to structuring your schedule so you have sacred time for yourself so um I can tell all of you listening she's not just teaching this academically she has walked the path of fire she's truly the wounded healer that uh healed herself and and uh, really can show you the ropes so uh thank you sarah for all your passion and commitment and contribution to the czech institute and uh thank you to alex as well because i know he's uh loves and supports you and you him so mm -hmm. i yeah. want to extend some love to him as well and he's a level four and an hlc3 so he and also a neuromuscular therapist and has quite a, a diverse deep toolbox to support your guys's mission there so uh what a great time together and uh, i will look forward to hearing the amazing feedback that i suspect we're going to get from this podcast <laughs> if you guys love this podcast uh please share it as widely as you can help us grow the podcast so we can help others find truly holistic health and nurture the planet and uh, bring us all together as a human family and create some equality for the women and uh, just make the world a more beautiful place for all of us and, and for mother nature. Thank you, Thank Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Sarah Gustafsson. You can find Sarah on Instagram at primal underscore fusion or at Women Who Raise Hell, and on Facebook at Primal Fusion Health. Her website is primalfusionhealth.com, where you can find out more about working directly with her. Act quickly to get 20% off Sarah's comprehensive course, Holistic Health and Performance for Women. Go to tiny.cc forward slash hhpwomen by March 14th, for an immediate saving. No promotion code is needed. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and at the Czech Institute's brand new streaming media site, chakiva.com.